Welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 27th episode of the Rambling Brews podcast, hosted by yours truly. I go by the name Tim. It's been a long two weeks. I'm back from vacation in Deep Creek, Maryland, and boy, were the last couple weeks exciting in the National Hockey League. We had the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, some major trades, and the most exciting first day of free agency that I can remember. Also, the Olympics are on right now. The Americans are buzzing, just collecting medal after medal. John Cena has returned to the WWE. I can't wait to get into it all. And joining me to do so, a fan favorite, the return of the Mac, fresh off of two goals to send the Muffin Farmers to the Ice Castle beer league championship my brother ray how's it going big dog what's up timmy neglected to mention that on on one of those goals it was a beautiful low shot off the goalie's pad from tim that i just you know shoveled right into the back of the net <laughs> i don't know if i would say beautiful shot man uh, uh i got like a fan on it panucci passed it to me he kind of, kind of handcuffed me on the back end he forgot i was a lefty for a second uh but you did the you did the dirty work and got the goal smacked it into the back of the net so i appreciate that but how you been man i've i've been pretty good uh it's been a few weeks been really busy at work so i'm happy to be back uh before i get started though my prof- <laughs> <laughs> my appearance today brought to you uh by one of my favorite products Bocce's bakeries peanut butter banana recipe all natural dog treats baked right here in the usa their recipe, they source 100% real ingredients, roast the meats and chop the veggies, mix it all up, <laughs> and oven bake it with love. But hey, don't take my word for it. Hey, Ziggy, come here, buddy. Here, puppy. What do you think of these treats? <laughs> you guys heard it. You guys heard it. By far, Ziggy's favorite treats. And I'm happy to be brought to you today by... Peanut butter banana chip recipe, Bocce's Bakeries, all natural dog treats. Goddamn, dude, you have more sponsors than anybody. I need to get uh, whoever your agent is to get me some sponsorship deals. Jesus Christ, I've been trying to get some Coors Light sponsorships. I can't, you know, can't get anybody uh, to get me a call back. But holy I'll shit, talk, man, that was hilarious. You do it, Tim. Just make sure you <laughs> score goals in the playoffs, and then they'll just come pouring in. Yeah, I'm an assist machine. Two apples yesterday uh, to send us to the uh, the final, but. Hey, uh, that's all right. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe in the championship game, I'll tuck a couple, and then the sponsorships will come calling. Um, but hey, what are you sipping on over there, man? Any uh, victory drinks uh, after yesterday's big win? Well, I went with the uh, I went with the trifecta here. I got a couple. I got uh, I have an old fashioned ready to go. I have right. a Southern Tier Lakeshore Fog Hazy Juicy IPA because I bought a mix pack for my dog's birthday party a couple weekends ago, and these were the only things that were left over. And then, of course, I have a Coors Light. Yeah, see, you saved the best for last, obviously, but you already know what I have, so I'm going to go ahead and crack my cores Light before we get into anything. I mentioned uh, uh, in the intro there, Ray, I uh, I recently got back from Deep Creek. I was down there for a week. Have you been down there? I think you said you like it down there, right? I've been down there a bunch of times. It's a great place for a weekend getaway, bachelor party, things like that. Every time I go down there, though, it rains 100% of the time. <laughs> See, we were lucky, man. We it rained the first day, like the travel day, because it kind of sucked just driving down. It's yeah. not too far from Pittsburgh, but it was uh, it was raining the whole way. So the first day, usually on any vacation I go on, the first day you usually spend just like kind of getting unpacked and chilling out, you know, ordering food or whatever, or go to the grocery store, whatever the case is. We were down there for a week, so um, you know, and, and this time, you know, I have a two year old, as you know, so it's not like. My wife put it this way. I think she heard it from somebody. I can't remember who, but I got a good kick out of it that like 
you know, whenever you have kids, it's not necessarily a vacation anymore. It's more like a relocation, dude. I packed up every <laughs> goddamn thing in my house. Packed, and of course, like I don't have a cover on my truck. I just don't like the way those look. So I just have like your traditional bed. So I had like tarp and like ratchet straps and bungee cords all holding it down, and it started flapping up on the highway. So we pulled off, and my wife and I are out there. You know, meanwhile, my wife's eight months pregnant. We're on the side of the highway, and it's pouring down rain, and we're trying to recover uh, all of our stuff with this tarp. It was a sight to see. The people in uh, down there in Waynesburg, <laughs> off the exit there, probably got a good good sight. But Sid's crying. Shit, Sarah's out there in the rain trying to help get the tarp on. I can see it happening. Dude, yeah, Sydney, like, she has so, or she has no patience whatsoever, I should say. Like, I'll stop the car at a red light, and she starts, like, whining and crying because <laughs> she just likes to be moving. So, like, I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do, Sid. Like, it's, you know, it's a red light. I got to stop. But, so, yeah, she was definitely crying while we were on the side of the highway there. But uh, I just wanted to mention that. I thought that was funny because it, it really is. Any parents out there, I'm sure you know, like, you pack up the entire car um, and just take everything you possibly can you know, all the toys, because the one thing you forget at home it will be the toy that your kid wants to play with. So that's just the way it goes. But for me, honestly, it was a good time in it. Like you said, it's always a good time down there. It was a steady buzz for me for about seven days, just chilling. It was good weather. It, and It's incredibly and relaxing down there. There's there's not much else to do than sit on one of the, I'm assuming, did you, did you get one of those rental places that are just absolutely gorgeous? So, um, actually a family friend owns a place right on the nice. water down there. So we Very got nice. that, but, um, yeah, we were right on the water, and they had a boat at the place. And I mentioned, I don't know if you heard the, the last episode I did, Ray, but my mom wanted me to sign up because, like, I guess if you go to a marina down there and you rent a boat, you can, like, just take the 15-minute course. They teach you how to, you know, keep it between yeah. the buoys and put well, your life jacket on. They get you on. out there very quick, and they don't check much. <laughs> yeah, but if I've you, like, <laughs> if you have, like, a private boat or, like, a private dock, you have to do this 75-question uh test and this eight hour course and all that. And I was talking about how it was bullshit. I definitely wasn't going to do that. Just what a joke. And it's actually funny, dude, because uh, Raz, the guy that used to play on our team. Yeah. A uh, good guy. Great guy. Fisherman. He, yeah. He's a, he's the ice fishing uh, champ. He actually said he wants to come on a little bit and uh, potentially talk some fishing because he reached out to me after the last episode. He was listening and he was like giving me all the pros of why I should have got my boating license in Maryland and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and I just got a good kick out of that. But I, I, I definitely didn't do it. We only went out on the boat one time because uh, like I said, it was the you know, with the two-year-old, she kind of gets bored quick, and uh, you can't exactly be like, all right, we can just get off the boat now. You know, you got to turn back around and ride all the way back to the house. So, uh, But it was a blast, dude. It was a, it was a good time with the family. I don't want to derail us already, but I got a quick story about Raz that's hilarious. Um, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> we're at a Pens game, I don't know, maybe about five, six years ago. Um, I'm there with one of my buddies, and our other teammate, Kevin Day, was there wearing, in like the corporate box, he's wearing a suit, and he... <laughs> He calls us over because, you know, they had a couple extra drinks. And um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, moments earlier, I saw Raz walking by, and I was just kind of talking to him. And Kevin walks up to me, says hi, and introduces himself to Raz and shakes his hand. <laughs> we start bursting out laughing because literally a day earlier, Kevin was our center, and Raz and I were his two wingers. We played on the same line, and he didn't even recognize him without the helmet on. <laughs> That's because K-Day. I love K-Day, but, man, he, he only sees himself out there. He's, he's always going coast to coast. He's a stud. We need him back on the Muffin Farmers he's for sure. Guy. Kevin, he's, if you're... I'll tell you what. He's been skating a couple times, and he he's, he's looks just as fast as ever. He's got to be... Uh, deep down, he's got to be a little bit jealous of the success since he's been gone, but we need you back, Kevin. If you're listening, we need you back, man. It'd be awesome to get him back out there. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Raz is a good guy. It'd be great oh, to get Raz back too if he can come back. Um, but yeah, down there, like you know, I was I was a, you know pretty anxious to watch the expansion draft um, and watch like the NHL draft and stuff like that. Although the production was pretty boring, I don't know if you watched it. We'll start with the expansion draft. Did you watch much of it? 
Like the ESPN well, version of it? I didn't watch it because every single one of the picks was leaked hours beforehand. Like maybe yeah, six, so, seven hours beforehand. And <laughs> they were all out on Twitter, and then they, they kept trying to do some backpedaling and claim, oh, no, this isn't fi- finalized. This isn't necessarily what's going to be. It was 100% accurate. Yeah, my favorite part. So it was, um, you know, shout out to Frank Saravalli. He works for, he just moved over from uh, TSN in Canada to the Daily Faceoff mm-hmm. site. Um, and I, so from what I heard, Ray, the NHL and ESPN reached out to like Sportsnet and all these big timers like Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnston and all that, Darren Drager, those guys, mm-hmm. and basically said, hey, can you guys keep this under wraps? We know it's going to get out, but, you know, it's our first big event with the, uh, you know, ESPN and the new, new network deal and all that stuff. Uh, but the, apparently they didn't tell Frank Saravalli that because he – so it was kind of stupid for the NHL too. The reason why he was able to get it is they had to submit their list by 10 a.m., the day of the draft, and then the draft picks were going to be announced at 8 p.m. Now it's 2021, dude. Nothing stays silent. Everything gets leaked. No, no, and Frank Saravalli, the best part, dude, like you said, he leaked every single pick, got every single one of them right, and then after he got all 30, uh, 31 teams, because Vegas was ex- or 30 teams, I guess, because Vegas was exempt. After he leaked all 30 picks, he tweeted, I hope everybody enjoys the expansion draft tonight. Should be great to watch. Like <laughs> after, he, after he completely ruined all the picks, I'm sure the NHL was furious. But, I mean, you can't knock him. He's just doing his job, dude. Like, That's also the problem. I mean, if they didn't let him know, the, the whole thing, the sports insiders, their entire livelihood is based on breaking the news first. So you got to let every single one of them know. Or, you know, he just had a heck of a day breaking 30 picks in a row on Twitter eight hours before they actually... They actually aired live. Yeah, and like I said, he just joined over to the Daily Faceoff site, so that's yeah. awesome publicity for them. I mean, I, I use them if anybody out there plays fantasy hockey. They do uh, they do a great job of um, – they have, like, reporters or people that go to, like, all the morning skates for every team, and then they report who's going to play. And mostly it's mostly goaltenders that you're worried about when, in fantasy hockey, who's going to start right. and stuff like that. So they're, like, an up-and-coming site. They've been around for a while, but definitely going to get some more uh, – you know, notoriety with Frank Saravalli, you know, breaking all the picks like that. And the actual, like, production, man, um, I know people were pissed because I was kind of pissed, too. I, I was hoping it was going to have, like, the iconic ESPN, like, NHL Tonight music right. and all that. But I guess it was supposed to be on NBC before the deal got announced with ESPN, and then they kind of pulled out. So it ended up just looking like an NHL Network production, and that's exactly what it was. It just had ESPN personalities. So, like, they had Reese Davis and – um, I mean, Reese Davis is like a college football guy. He's on College Game Day. He's the host of that. If you watch that, um, you know, it was just it was interesting the whole thing. Like it was, it's cool to see hockey back on ESPN, but it definitely because all the picks got leaked, it, it lost its its luster a little bit, and it kind of was a you know a shitty start to the relationship. I think in the eyes of ESPN, but I don't know if you you actually watched it or what you thought of. Uh, uh, I didn't you know, watch any it of the because I, I saw all the picks beforehand, so uh, I didn't I didn't watch a second of it. But I'm excited to see what they do once the season starts. Specifically, if they bring back NHL tonight, um, do you, have they announced who's going to be doing that? I'm, I'm hoping Butchergrass, you know, and the whole crew. Yeah, so they they have a bunch. Of, so actually, um, <laughs> one of the guys I know you don't like, and I'll get to him in a second. But um, you know, it's it's Butchergrass, yeah, Steve Levy, uh, Barry Melrose, obviously is going to be on it. Right. Um, a lot of guys like Marty Biron, um, a lot of guys that were on NBC. Marty Biron sucks. Yeah, like Eddie Olchek. I don't know if he's on ESPN or TNT, but he's going to be doing some stuff there, um, which is pretty crazy because he has such a tight relationship with NBC and the horse racing and all that. And and lastly, your your buddy Dominic Moore. He was on the um, he was on the the expansion draft. Him and Reese Davis, and it was it was ridiculous, dude. Because so Ron Francis, the Ho- hockey Hall of Famer, legend, Penguins Ronnie legend, franchise, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, Ronnie Franchise. He's the general manager of the Seattle Kraken, so he's up on the stage, Ray. Right, and they had um, they had like all these different clips of like Kevin Weeks, who's also on ESPN. He's a great guy too. He uh, he's like in a market. And they like chuck him a fish. I guess that's what they do in Seattle. They like chuck him fish, and he like catches the yeah, fish. Pikes, and they, like Pike's Market. I've actually been there. Yeah, that's like, that's like yeah, a it's famous like famous attraction for him. <laughs> that's funny, dude. And on the back of the fish, it has like a piece of paper, and then it was like the Toronto Maple Leafs select Jared McCann or whatever. Like they did stuff like that for like most of the picks, like going around the city and stuff. But the awkward part was Ron Francis. Like I said, he's on the stage making the picks, and then like as soon as he makes the pick, Reese Davis and Dominic Moore are standing no more than six feet away from him. And they're critiquing the pick, like right in front of them. They're like, "Oh, well, this is a good pick. This guy had a had a down year, but he could definitely bounce back." And blah 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 blah. It was like very awkward, just like That's really so weird. Awkward. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like I don't know why they thought that was a good idea, but Ho- I mean, they hockey, had a couple guys. Hockey presentation yeah, always struggles with that, just because they're kind of taught to be a team player from a young age. It's why you always get the same generic answers in every single interview between periods. Well, you know, obviously you got to get pucks deep and, uh, you know, both teams are trying real hard there, boys. You know, I'm uh, obviously, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's the exact same every <laughs> single time. So then you take that and you try to have them do something fun for like a draft or something like that. And it just never translates well. Um, Weeks is good. Uh, Melrose and Bouchagross are good, but there's there's just not a lot of like big ho- hockey personalities because they've always had to kind of quell that for the team atmosphere. I think. Yeah, I think they got Mark Messier. He he wasn't a part of anything, but they're because like Wayne Gretzky is going to be on TNT, so they've got some big time guys and big you know names they and hockey get? Hall of Famers. But they should get a who? liquored up Brett Hall and just let him give him a live <laughs> mic every single broadcast and just see what happens. That that would be a blast. Dude, that would be like, um, and I'm not saying Charles Barkley's liquored up, but it could be something like that, like the NBA <laughs> has with Charles Barkley. You never know what he's going to say, and you never know what Brett Hall's going to do. He's electric. He's I love Brett Hall, dude. He's awesome. There's, I don't think there's an NHL player ever that had the personality of Charles Barkley. I, I, I'm not even an NBA fan, but I love watching any show he's on just because you have no idea what he's going to do or say. It's a blast to watch. Yeah, that's why it's like so organic and funny. Like There's no filter and stuff like right. that, and I'm sure some of the stuff – that they say would get them in some trouble now, but him fighting with Shaq, their rivalry that's been going on for like 30 years is unbelievable. It's always so funny. And Shaq's only comeback is like, I got four rings. I got four (laughs) rings. It works. It's a good one. I know. I know. The one note I wanted to mention before we get into any of the picks for the expansion draft for Seattle, uh, that ESPN was up to their old tricks, obviously with Reese Davis. I mentioned he's not a hockey guy. I think I saw him like a couple days later doing NBA draft coverage. So he's just like, they're, they're having massive, uh, you know, budget cuts, I guess, at ESPN, and they have all these guys covering all the sports. But he made a comment, Ray. He was like, uh, I, I can't remember what team he was talking about. Oh, no, I guess it, it was the Penguins he was talking about because he mentioned them. I didn't know if they were talking about somebody else when he when he mentioned them. But they were like, you know, Brandon Tenev was getting picked, and he's like, oh, you know, a guy from a team that really hasn't done much since they won back-to-back Stanley Cups a couple years ago. And I'm like, like the way he said it was so dumb. Like, he was, he was acting like they've just been – you know, brutal. Like the Buffalo Sabres was kind of like how he was coming across. He said the same thing about the Washington Capitals. I'm like, dude, they I won just, two cups like a few years ago. I mean, you, you can't win every single year. It's not the NBA where the same team wins every damn year. Pulled up a picture of this guy. First of all, I hate how he spells his name. Reese, Reese. R-E-C-E. That's stupid. <laughs> He's got a big cheesy grin on his face. Just a generic dumb white guy. I hate him. I hate him already. Now that... <laughs> He's uh, hey, he's that's on, all it uh, takes. He said one one disparaging comment about the Penguins, and he's on my shit yeah. list. 
And his parents named him <laughs> R-E-C-E Reese, and now he's on Ray's shit list. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's Recky Davis. That guy sucks. <laughs> he's uh, he's not bad on, like, college game day, but that's what I'm saying. Like, those guys are they're just not in the right sport. They're not covering the right sport. Yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, that, that's par for the course a little bit with ESPN. Shows you how much they really care about N- the NHL at this point. ESPN's um, been struggling since Twitter, I think. It used to be that people would tune into SportsCenter every night, and that was kind of like their, you know, their their staple, their cornerstone. But everything that they break on there has already been broken immediately afterwards on Twitter. You know, kind of makes yeah. me for the free agency miss uh, Bob McKenzie. He was the best at that. Yeah, Bob McKenzie was awesome, and for the free agency, he he com- he came back this year. He comes he back for the free. He's agency, been retired, but-, but he still was tweeting all day and breaking things. Yeah, he's like sitting at his cottage with a margarita on Twitter, and he's like tweeting all these, um, you know, who, who's going where and all this stuff, and. Yeah, I mean, we can get into ESPN all day and all night, man. It's just like they, they got away from their biggest thing outside of Twitter, like you mentioned, in social media and all the other outlets that people can watch. And, you know, nowadays, like the one of the reasons why is like uh, SportsCenter was so awesome back when we were younger is because you couldn't just watch every game. Now, like you can get the NBA package, mm-hmm. the NHL package. You oh, can yeah. watch all the games live, so you don't need them to cover it, number one. Number two they don't cover anything. They just like go in and give opinions and they have debate shows like, you know, Skip Bayless really started that, you know, all the way back when he, he, I think the first one he had was called, um, uh, God, cold pizza. I think it was called. Then it went to like first and 10, a bunch of stuff, kind of what he's doing now with like first take and undisputed and stuff. That's all it is now. It's just it's, debate it's shows. People giving their hot yelling. takes. Yep. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So that's the big downfall of ESPN. They don't actually cover sports anymore and people don't need to go to them anymore. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate because SportsCenter was awesome back in the day with uh, Stuart Scott and Rich Eisen and Kenny Mayne and all those I was, guys. I was just going to bring up, well, Kenny Mayne's like, little pieces were absolutely hilarious, just like his dry sense of humor and delivery. And I was going to bring up Stuart Scott. When he, when he passed away, it went completely downhill. He was incredible. I used Booyah. to fall. I used to fall. As, <laughs> I still remember. I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, it was one. It was either Stuart Scott or Kenny Mayne. Um, <laughs> on a someone just hit a, a incredibly deep home run like 400 some feet and he just goes he's got the holy ghost power <laughs> beautiful one yeah and it, it's sad because like all the guys now try to just emulate Stuart scott and they just force these they can't lines. do it they can't do yeah, it. They, yeah they don't have the charisma that he did so rest in peace to Stuart scott for sure um swig a beer for him yeah definitely <sighs> All through college, I used to fall asleep every night to put the timer on the TV and put on Sports Center for the longest time. And that's what oh, Ziggy yeah. does every night still, but he told me he didn't like <laughs> it as much. Yeah, I mean, dude, like, they used to just run the same. It, it, it didn't used to be live. Um, you know, they, right. they used to just run the same episode over and over and over again. I would still watch it over <laughs> and over and over again, and my sister would be so pissed off because I wanted to watch Sports Center for the 10th time. But uh, I digress from that. background noise, yeah. Yeah, sure exactly. Um but the, the expansion draft itself, man, there were some surprises. So everybody thought Vladimir Tarasenko was going to get uh, selected by the Kraken because he wants out of St. Louis. I've talked about that before. You know, he's had a couple um, shoulder surgeries that he feels like the the team's uh, physician didn't do a great job. He's looking to have a third one now. Um, I think he actually did already have a third one. So it was interesting because a lot of people were saying, you know, he was going to get selected by Seattle and then they were going to flip him in a trade and acquire some future draft capital. And a lot of people were pointing to the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, but that didn't happen, man. I was surprised by that. And it actually sounds like, uh, from what I hear, Tarasenko is probably going to get signed by the New York Islanders. Or, I mean, uh, sorry, traded to the New York Islanders. I don't know what your what your thoughts are on that. Because cause, uh, like Kyle Palmieri for the Islanders and uh, Casey Sezikis 
and Adam Pellick, I think, who Adam Pellick, I think, is going to arbitration. But they have a couple guys that they said Lou Lamorello, the GM, he's basically got contracts done, but he doesn't want to announce them yet because he doesn't want other teams to know how much cap space he has so he can make a make a trade <laughs> gotcha. and uh, gotcha. not have to retain any salary or anything like that. So I don't know what you thought about that because I thought Tarasenko would be on the move and maybe it would have been smart for uh, St. Louis to there deal was, him. What was surprising is, you know, well, first of all, it was a little different because Vegas was just, you know, not all that long ago. And they absolutely fleeced a couple teams, like uh, specifically Florida, having them. Was it they they traded a march or so so they'd take Riley Smith? Was that it? Or was it the other? Yeah, way I, it, it might have been the other way around. But either way, you know, Vegas got both guys. So teams were. I mean, there wasn't a single trade, which kind of made it a little bit boring. Um, we were kind of expecting it, but also I think teams were a bit weary of what happened with Vegas and how good they were so quick. But the surprising part is there were some big names there. I mean, I guess they're going with the fact that. You know, they've never had a team there, and just the fact that it's new will sell tickets. But I thought for sure, from at least a marketing perspective, they'd go after a couple of the big names that were out there, or one or two to kind of build around. But instead, I mean, it might be a competitive team, but, um, you know, they get like a big, their, their defensemen are absolutely huge. They have a big, kind of mobile defensive core, um, but the whole team's kind of full of third and fourth liners. So I'm not sure if they're done. I don't know if they're going to make some other trade during the season. Definitely different than Vegas after, you know, some of the splashes. And they had Flurry out there on the first day and James Neal and, um, you know, just some, some bigger names to kind of build around. Yeah, I mean, that's what I thought too. And, and I kind of think, and I agree with what you said, you know, and I think it was because, like, GMs got fleeced by Vegas, like you right. said, that they weren't going to fall for that again. There weren't a lot of side deals. And to, to um, you know, Elaborate on your point about the defense, dude. I thought it was crazy that they took Jamie Alexiak from Dallas and they took uh, Adam Larson from Edmonton. Both of those guys were unrestricted free agents. So, like, my right. thing was like, why would you do that? If you you could take like you could take somebody else from Edmonton and somebody else from Dallas and then still and then sign, sign those two them. Guys. Yes, if, if that's the guy you wanted. Well, Jamie Alexiak, they they might have just scooped him up just because <laughs> his name was in the news because his sister is like an absolute folk hero oh, yeah. in Canada. I'm, yep. I, I'm not sure the number. She's won a whole bunch of gold medal. She's a much bigger name in Canada than he is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, you know, I think her name's Penny too. Um, yeah. Penny Alexia. Yeah, Penny Alexiak. She's a great athlete. Uh, but yeah, it just didn't make sense. And I think Alexiak actually got a big deal. And like, to your point about not picking up big names, I mean, two things. Number one, they could have had a guy like Carey Price. I'm not mm -hmm. saying they could have taken him or should have taken him, because I don't think that would ever happen. I think there would be something with Mark Ver Mark Bergevin from uh, the GM of the Habs and uh, Ron Francis kind of like to not do it. But, I mean, that's what, like with Vegas, they got a bonafide number one Hall of Fame goalie, and they got very fortunate with that. And Seattle maybe could have could have gotten that. Now, we'll get to free agency in a minute, because they did get a good goaltender. But, you know, Number two, like they, like you said, they've got a really uh, mobile, big defensive core. They've got a, you know, a lot of gritty third line type players, like you said, and I think they're going to be very tough to play against. Right. I just worry about they're not going to score enough. They're just they're they gonna, don't have enough scores. They're going to be tough, to, and they could be a good team, especially if they kind of like I kind of see their their roster, and it looks reminds me a little bit of how the Islanders are constructed, and we saw how well they play in the playoffs, but it's not going to be an entertaining team. But maybe they're just thinking the novelty of it being a new season. Maybe they'll kind of build their own stars and bring some people in. I just thought at least they'd get one big name. Tarasenko was the one that I thought for sure they were going to get. And who were some of the other people that were available? I'm trying to think who were unprotected. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they selected, like, so they actually got some, I, I wouldn't say they didn't get any big names, I guess, because, like, they got more, Everly's this is defense again. Name. Yeah, Mark Giordano was the captain of the Calgary yeah. Flames for a long time, you know, Norris Trophy winner. But that that's, like, to your point about the their blue line. Their blue line is good. Some of the other guys they got were uh, Yanni Gord. I've talked about him at length on this podcast about how he's such a good depth piece for uh, really Tampa Bay. Um, sucks to see him go if you're a Lightning fan. Alexander Wenberg from the Columbus Blue Jackets, he had high hopes. Uh, I think he kind of just got swallowed up by Torts' system. He doesn't really play Torts' style. He's more of a skill guy, um, not exactly a, a big body. Uh, Brandon Tenev, obviously you and I have talked about him a lot on the podcast for how Turbo. awesome he yeah, was they're gonna the love Penguins. him. Though. Yeah, there's, there's, he's going to sell more jerseys than anyone out there after they see him take one shift, I'm sure that. Dude, that's like so they got they got Jared McCann too because I thought Kyle Dubas for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the general manager, he made an outstanding play. He traded a seventh rounder in um Hollander, I think this is or Hollander, however you say the prospect's name, to the Penguins for McCann because the Penguins figured we're either gonna lose McCann or Tanev, and I think they preferred to lose Tanev just based on the salary, but they wanted the cap space too. But Ugh, so that then, they, then Toronto just took Toronto lost McCann and they got to keep Alex Kerfoot. I think they wanted to keep Justin Hole too. So Toronto essentially doesn't lose anybody off their roster. Yeah. So I wonder what your thoughts are in terms of like what do you think Ron Hextall and the Penguins were thinking because they lost two guys in the expansion draft essentially and got a prospect in a seventh rounder back. Do you know the term sleeper cell? Are you familiar with that? I'm not. No. Uh, usually used in terrorist organizations or spies. It's when somebody goes ahead and, and, and kind of settles into an organization or a group, and then they activate them at a later point and they carry out some kind of plan. I've been a little bit concerned from the second Ron Hextall came over that he's been here just to destroy the Pittsburgh Penguins from within. And I'll tell you what, this offseason I have absolutely no clue what the hell he's doing. Trading McCann, like you said, just to lose Tanev to get cap space. And at first I'm sitting there thinking, you know, that makes sense. You know, we haven't won the last couple of years, lost in the first round. But then they went and re-signed a bunch of third and fourth liners, including Dominic Simone, who is one of the worst people to ever put on a Penguins jersey. I, I just have no idea what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, and I agree. And I, I wouldn't, I don't feel the same way about Simone as you do, I, I guess, as, um, as strong as you do. Uh, <laughs> if he's in the lineup, you know, it's not great. He's a decent depth piece because you know how the Penguins are. They get injured constantly. He's fine if someone's hurt, but you know that at some point, Sid's going to line up right between him and Rodriguez, and I'm going to be furious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, like I, I think I tweeted it to you. It's going to be like November 3rd, and he's already on the top line, and I'm just going to want to shoot myself. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And, you know, I, I don't know. I So they did mention Brian Burke and um, uh, Ron Hextall did mention that they were going to have to go bargain hunting. Now, granted, yeah. if you look at the Penguins' salary cap and their draft capital and everything, they really don't have a lot. I mean, Ron Hextall was kind of put in a, in a tough spot. True. Um, it is funny that you and, mentioned, and you know, potentially. they're not done yet. They're not done yet either. No. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's only... still early, but ugh, I don't like how it's looking right now. <laughs> and Brian Burke actually made it. He was on Sirius NHL Network Radio the other day, and he made a um, pretty interesting comment that I thought was a little bit, you know, just crazy for him to say but he's Brian Burke and he's always going to say what he thinks he basically said you know they like a player like Tanev but they think that um, McGinn Brock McGinn that they got from Carolina could be better like a more effective Tanev he's like and that's kind of how he plays he's a great penalty killer um, he's, he's not nearly as fast I think in, like obviously Tanev's nickname's Turbo but it'll be interesting to see what he can do I mean he got a a lot of people around the NHL are pretty high on that that pickup because I guess a lot of teams like Toronto 
Um, the Rangers were in on McGinn, so from what I've heard. So I, I like that pickup, but I knew they were going to bring back Evan Rodriguez. Seth Rorabaugh was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that you know he thought they were, that was going to be their top uh, priority to bring back in terms of their unrestricted free agents, and you got him pretty cheap. Um, Simone, like we talked about, you know, hopefully he's not in the lineup. The guy, he couldn't hit water if he fell off a boat, but <laughs> you know, he, he's out there and he's, you know, he, he's decent. I, I just don't know. Like Crosby had, has this infatuation with these guys like Brian Gibbons and these other jabronis that just don't, that shouldn't be a top you know line player, probably shouldn't even be in the top nine. <laughs> and he's somehow he's on a wing with the best player in the league or one of the best players just, in the league. Just because Sid makes everyone around him better doesn't mean that he has to all the time. I mean, what? One of his first wingers he ever had was Andy Hilbert, who all of a sudden was like a point per game player for a stretch. You know, the only ever Australian player to play in the league, is, I think, or something like that. Um, so he's done it forever. And Mark Madden calls him the vanilla midgets they always put on Sid's wing. Just imagine what he could have done his whole career if he spent, you know, he had what, 30 games with Hosa and they were just absolutely destroying people. And like, other than that, um, you know, I, although, I mean, I think. Pittsburgh's going to probably be a one-line team for a little bit now. I think they're going to keep Rust and Gensel on his wings. But, like, what happens when one of them gets hurt? You know Dominic Simone's going to get called up, and he's going to be in the first line again. And ugh. Ugh. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, two things. Number one, like you said, you know, the reason why uh, Chris Kunitz has a gold medal is because of Sidney Crosby. They picked him to be on the Olympic team because he can play well with Sid. And, you know, more power to him. He did well. He produced when he had to. He played well with Crosby. It's not easy to do. But I know the Penguins, my other point was, like, I know the Penguins won two cups after, um, I guess, three cups after Marion Hossa. But, man, and I wouldn't trade those cups for the world, but I would have loved to see Crosby get, like, a decade with Hossa on his wing. Me too. Finally, a a decent, like, Hall of Fame-level winger. dude. I wanted to see Jerome McGinley play with him for more than one shift, I think, before – you know, Dan Bosma get put one shift there and then had him playing on the off wing that he never played his whole career. That's uh, Jerome McGinley's played 18 no, years stop, in the league. Stop, stop, let's stop because we're about to talk about that Boston series that we always bring up. So let's just <laughs> move past it. Yeah, I know that actually was exactly where we were heading. Dude. <laughs> we were heading once again. But to your point about um, McCann, man, dude, like, and, and Malkin, Malkin's out until at least January, they said. Yeah. Um, so that's what I thought. Maybe they want to keep McCann. I know. I'm not sure how high they were on him, you know, as an organization from a Hextall and Burke's perspective compared to maybe how the previous regime was. But, dude, like, with Malkin being out, you need some help on that second line. Now you got Jeff Carter as the second line center and on the power play. McCann, Mm -hmm. he's like the trigger guy on the power play. He can pull the trigger from the left circle. He can score. He can play the point along with Latang. I just don't know what you do now. He played really well on the power play last year. Yeah. McCann's a bit of an enigma. I don't know if you remember this. One of the, I think it was the first game he played back. I want to say we were playing Dallas, and he did this like NHL, you know, the video game looking spin a move right to the middle of the ice and score this beautiful goal. He's just, since he came to us, he's been incredibly streaky. Um, so I guess maybe that's part of the reason they were willing to part with him. But at the same time, when he's on, he looks great, but then he'll also kind of disappear for stretches of like 10, 15 games again. So I don't know. Um, We'll wait to see after the season starts. And like you mentioned, as we know, throughout the history, Penguins always get hurt. So we'll see how the actual roster comes together. Um, I'm just saying, you heard it here. I'm a little concerned about Ron Hextall being a Flyers sleeper cell that's involved in the organization. He's just going to – he's still – 
maybe possibly taking this job just so he can get his hands on Rob Brown. <laughs> yeah, he never I think caught somebody, him. He wanted when to, he got he hired. Yeah, when he got hired. Uh, for those who don't know this story, I, I can't remember what year it was. Obviously, I was like two years old. It was like 1991 or 92. Rob Brown uh, for the Penguins. He scored a goal on Ron Hextall, who played goal for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, and he like did a normal. I mean, if you watch hockey, the guys celebrate after every goal. He did like a normal fist bump, and Ron Hextall thought he was like showing him up. And Ron Hexall, he's known to be a hothead. Yeah, he skated around the, and he chased him all the way out to the blue line with his stick, trying to kill him. And somebody said, like, whenever Hextall was hired, uh, the Penguins better take all the pictures of Rob Brown out of the arena down, because it's gonna piss off Hextall. But dude, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me some Philadelphia shit to do that. We were talking about Sid elevating line mates. Rob Brown skates like me. He can barely move. He looks like he's skating through cement. And I, he, <laughs> he scored 51 goals with Lemieux. I think that was the number, which is just absurd. <laughs> Wait. I'm sure was he did. Fi- dude. Like, was it 51? I think, you got to look it all. Quick. Yeah, look but, it up. Look and it I up. think that night that, uh, that Hextall chased him, I'm pretty sure Lemieux had like seven assists that night, which was just like a regular night for him, you know, playing with a half-broken back, you know. Yeah, he can't tie his own skates, goes out there and gets three goals and, like, four assists. Just unbelievable. Um, dude, in you know, the Penguins, I'm not sure what they're doing. To your point with, you know, Ron Hextall, I'm hoping he's not a sleeper cell, as you call it, in <laughs> um, the Flyers. You know, I know the Flyers organization, you know, thought highly of him, and the fans hated him because he didn't want to bring guys along. But just seeing what's happened now to Carter Hart, uh, I've been oh, all over this a bunch of times on the podcast. <laughs> he like, brought in Martin Jones. Oh God. Yeah, Martin Jones. That guy is an absolute jabroni. Him and uh, I think it was, who was the backup? It was Aiden Hill or something last year for the Sharks. Because Martin Jones was pretty solid whenever um, he got to, or whenever they got to the Stanley Cup final against the Penguins. And, um, you know, I guess in Philadelphia too, Ray, the reason why Martin Jones wanted to go there, I guess, I think it's the goaltending coach that coached for San Jose is actually the goaltender coach in Philadelphia now. And that's what, like, Martin Jones wanted to get back to, um, you know, kind of getting back with that guy in hopes that he could refine, refine, like, get back to his game, I should say. You know, like, kind of, you know, get back to the way he was. Because he was a top-tier goaltender for, like, right. a, a year and a half, and then he fell off the face of the earth. <laughs> Looked it up real quick. It, it, was, it wasn't 51, but Rob Brown in 88-89 scored 49 goals in 68 games playing with Mario Lemieux. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the only stat you bring up whenever you're talking about the best hockey player of all time. Gretzky Gretzky never got Rob Brown 49 goals. Yeah, Gretzky was playing with Yari Curry, one of the best wingers of all time. Six other Hall of Famers of all time. Exactly, right. That's hilarious. Rob Brown, 49 goals. Oh, he he probably thinks back to like some of them he he screwed up. He could have had 50. Right. That's That's crazy because back in that era, dude, there'd be like there'd be like 40 hundred point guys in the NHL. Now there's you're lucky if there's like three. Rob Brown Um, had 115 points that year. Yeah, and then, and then now it's like you know the the guy who leads the league is going to be one ten maybe something like that. Yeah, <laughs> a little more Mc, than that. But. Yeah, McDavid, I think, and Kucherov has the most in the in recent years. I think at one twenty eight, uh, McDavid probably would have beat that this year if it wasn't a shortened season. But we'll see what he does this year. I'm I'm, I'm interested to see how uh, the Oilers do, but we'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, maybe the Penguins will make a trade. Who knows? We, they don't have a lot of capital, but I guess speaking of trades, Ray. The biggest trade probably of the offseason so far is Marc-Andre Fleury to the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Kind of out of nowhere. Um, Although I did mention on the last podcast, I'm going to pump my own tires a little bit. Not that I'm an insider, but 
I said I thought that <laughs> Florio was going to get traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. And I knew they were interested, and I knew Vegas was pretty much – they can say what they want as an organization, but their head coach, Pete DeBoer, doesn't trust them. Um, every time they got into a – you know, a must-win game. They went with Robin Leonard, and you know, ever since Alan Walsh, uh, Flurry's agent, posted that picture two years ago with, uh, with Pete DeBoer's name and the sword <laughs> in his back, the organization never forgot that. And I, I don't think either side could trust each other. Uh, from what I've heard, though, they said like the the doors open for Flurry to go back there when he retires to be like a you know some something in the front office or something like that, or maybe Same like thing a, an in ambassador. Pittsburgh too. He, he could easily come back there as well. Yeah. So I. You know the the biggest thing. So I guess first I'll get your take on the trade and you know um, you know how it all went down because it, it was reported that Flurry was kind of made aware that Chicago had inquired, uh, but he actually found out about the trade on Twitter. On Twitter, that's yeah, that's and awful. nobody told him. It's just like that's that's low rent from the Vegas Golden Knights, and has there just ever been shitty. a superstar like him who's who is he's gonna be a Hall of Famer? I mean, he's, what, third all-times ever in NHL wins. So, I mean, yep. he's won three Stanley Cups. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Who's just yep. been, like, so disrespected by fans, by the media, by different teams. And he's such a nice guy, too, which I think that makes it that much worse. Um, yeah, that's a soft one. And didn't, didn't Vegas' uh, – what's his name? Bill Foley? I'm not sure yeah, that's the right owner. name or not. He promised them they, that they wouldn't trade him, and then they, he found out about it on Twitter. It's just just awful. Yeah, so what happened, I guess, was last year, and this was reported uh, before Jim Rutherford stepped down from the Penguins, but they had a deal in place for mm-hmm. Vegas to go to, uh, to trade Flurry back to Pittsburgh. And Bill Foley, the owner, he basically came in and said, no, because he's an idiot, number one. He wanted, he wants, and he said this to people that I, you know, I've seen in articles and things like that. He said he said this to people around the league. He wants Mark Andre Fleury to be remembered as a Vegas Golden Knight more than a Pittsburgh Penguin, and that's just absurd. He's been a Penguin yes. for he was a Penguin for thirteen years, four or fourteen years, three Stanley Cups. You know he's Drafting had a successful him is run. What and, turned the Penguins around from you know they were they were a yeah, good team for the longest overall. time. So like after Yager left, the team went downhill, and then then. Once Flurry got brought in, oh, is that is that number three for you, Tim? Nicely done. But once he came <laughs> in, it kind of turned the pens around completely. There's no, there's no way. Um, but he'll keep playing. I know that they were like there was a, a a news outlet out there that reported that he might not actually report to the Black Ops, which I knew that wasn't true. He's third all time in wins, and he has a chance to pa- pass Patrick Wan, finish second. Why would he retire early now when he's still obviously playing at a high level? He's going to play for whatever team wants him just to try to beat those 551 wins. He might retire after he gets 552, you know? But Yeah. Um, I don't think he has um, any chance to beat uh, Brodeur. Oh, no way. But, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure of the exact number, but Brodeur has like almost 700 or something like that. Like it's not. I'm almost close. positive, uh, and I'm not, you know, I always say I'm a math guy, but I can't think on the top of my head. I'm pretty sure he's like exactly or real close to 200 wins behind Brodeur. Which is absurd, and I think he's only like a few away from 500, which is pretty awesome, and that, that's something he would want to get. And to your point, he already he was in Chicago today. He put the sweater on. He he was on the Saw private that, yeah. jet. You know, he was saying, "Hey, Chicago, I'm coming to play." And he kind of looked like um, I'll give credit to a guy I don't particularly care for. 
Uh, Mark Madden can't stand it, but Colin Dunlap in Pittsburgh, <laughs> he had a great tweet. He said that uh, Mark Andre Fleury putting that sweater on looked like uh, Eli Manning when he was holding up the San Diego Chargers jersey <laughs> after he told them he didn't he would never play there if they drafted him. So it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean so, he's going to so go there and he's going to be a great pick. It looked just as weird as Bro Dorn, that Blues jersey for a half a season. That oh, my God, dude. That, that was, was the so worst. Awkward. That made no sense to me. Like, no. I, And I understand Bro Dorn wanted to keep playing, but he, he played like six games there, and then he just retired and moved into their front office, not even the New Jersey front office. Right. I, you know, But I just thought it was um, unfortunate. And to your point, I saw somebody actually, this kind of pissed me off, and I, I get pissed off when I see things on Twitter, and I like type something back to somebody I don't even know who they are, and then I just delete it because I'm like, why am I arguing with someone I don't even know? <laughs> That's good. I was just going to say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't get pissed off at, at- – other random people on the internet, but that's a nice little cathartic thing to do. You type out an angry response and then just delete it and move on with your day. That's, that's yeah. smart. <laughs> I got, I think I ended up tweeting after that. Just like, there are so many goddamn morons on this site or I something like that. that. I saw that. That's, that's what I it was. Because the somebody was Muffin like farmer's account retweeted some, that. yes, <laughs> that's hilarious. Somebody uh, tweeted like how many organizations are going to completely disrespect and shit on flurry. And I was like, Wait, excuse me. I don't. I don't remember when the Pittsburgh Penguins disrespected and shit on Flurry. I mean, like they weren't the one that did that. They like they he, they lost him in the expansion draft. They didn't want to let him go, and they wanted to bring him back. So like, I, I just don't yeah. get that narrative. And they like, didn't. It was it, it was one. It was one, and it was <laughs> yeah. It was it Vegas. Just happened. Yeah. Um. But you know, I, I hate Vegas. I've hated them ever since I came in the league. I just hate everything about them. Vegas is a great city. You know, great town. They've got good fans. It seems like out there, but. It just like they just piss me off and like they it's actually pretty crazy, Ray. I think there's only like three or four guys left on the team that were part of that expansion team. It's so it's it's un- unbelievable how like quickly they've turned that around and we'll see what Robin Leonard can do. Um and they're still in on Jack Eichel. Do not be sh- uh, shocked if you see Jack Eichel because that's how Vegas is. They just see the big piece. They didn't need Alex Petrangelo last year at all. They didn't need him at all. And he complicates their cap big time. Probably part of the reason why they had to let Flurry go and some of the other guys go. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jack Eichel ends up a Vegas Golden Knight here before the season starts in October. I was just going to ask you that. Like, how do you feel about the the Eichel situation? Do you think he's justified in begging to get out of of uh, Buffalo? Because I've I've seen it both ways. Like, people feel bad for him because they're just perennially a perennially perennially Jesus Christ a terrible team. <laughs> But then also at the same time, you know, I, there's a lot of the, we talk about the dinosaurs in hockey who say, you know, well, you signed the contract for 10 years, so you should stay with that team. I, I kind of feel for him because he's obviously a really skilled player and their front office just makes bonehead move after bonehead move. So I fully understand why he wants to get out of there. Yeah. So on top of that, man, on top of their, you know, how bad they are as an organization and how they've just been so poor um, playing wise the last decade. You know, it, it's a health issue for Jack Eichel, from my yeah. understanding, is that he wants to get um, a surgery, basically not a fusion on his neck, but it's like some sort of like artificial disc replacement, which has never been done to an NHL player. It's been done to hockey players. It's been done to football players and basketball players to a lot of success, uh, but never to an NHL player. And when you sign an NHL contract, I don't know if a lot of people know this, you would think like it's your body, your choice, right? But no, you're you're basically, you're an asset to that organization and they get the last say. So he can say all, all he wants, I want this surgery. But if they say, you know, we want to do the fusion, um, there was actually a, on the 31 Thoughts podcast, which is Elliot Friedman's podcast, he had the, he had a doctor on that uh, actually is working with Eichel. And he was mentioning basically when you get a fusion surgery, you know, you can't you lose a little bit of motion, uh, range of motion in your neck, and you a lot of times need 
a second fusion, like maybe five, 10 years later. And this, I guess this artificial like disc replacement, why it's, or while it's high risk, um, it's definitely something that he thinks is successful and can make Jack Eichel be, you know, as good as he once was. And, you know, the, the Sabres basically aren't, aren't budging. And I don't know, dude, I want to read this statement real quick that, um, Jack Eichel's agent put out the other day. I don't know if you saw this, but he said, um, on Twitter, quote, the process is not working. As previously stated, we fully anticipated a trade by the start of the NHL free agency period. After the agreed-upon and prescribed period of conservative rehabilitation lapsed in early June 2021, it was determined by the Sabres medical staff that a surgical procedure was required. The recommendation by Jack's independent neurosurgeon, other spine specialists consulted, and the surgery Jack feels most comfortable having in order to correct the herniated disc in his neck is to proceed with artificial disc replacement surgery. A further point of concern is that our camp was initially under the impression that the Sabres specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc replacement surgery until that was no longer the case. What is being left out of the discussion is that Jack would be able to play in the NHL for the start of this season pending medical clearance if he were allowed to have the surgery he desires even as of this date. Repeated requests have been made to the Sabres since early June to no avail. This process is stopping Jack from playing in the NHL and is not working. Close quote. So, dude, he, they're, they're uh, basically doing whatever they can to like get the Buffalo to get rid of him. But basically, that's what's happening, dude. Jack wants this surgery. His his independent physician and the neurosurgeons and everybody he's see, uh, seen saying, like, hey, if you get this surgery today. Now, when we're recording this, it's, what, August 2nd? You can get it today, and you'll be ready to go for you know camp in the start of the season on October 12th. You know, if you get that fusion surgery, you might be out for, you know, way longer than that. Who and who knows if you're going to be the same type of player? I mean, it works, but like I said, you lose the range of motion in your neck. So I do. I, I agree with you, man. I feel for him. I hope he gets the hell out of Buffalo. Uh, just an absolute dog shit organization. Kevin Adams is one of the <laughs> worst general managers in the NHL, bar none. Just a joke of a team. They traded uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, and they got a haul from Philadelphia because Philadelphia also has a poor front office. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, uh, that was, they gave up so much for that. Um, Dude, Ristolainen is an absolute he, – he, I mean, he's a big body. He's physical, but he's an absolute traffic cone out there. I remember well, I saw – That's the, all that the, Philadelphia cares about is they yeah, get somebody They want to beat on Crosby. People. That's all they want is somebody to cross-check Crosby in the back of the neck. doesn't matter if he's dash 160 in his career. He's, the only I'm pretty sure he's minus fans, 163, dude, in his career. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that's 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 god awful. I know he's I mean, in Buffalo, but Jesus Christ! The only thing they care about in Philadelphia is is they cheer for hurting other teams' players, and the only thing they like more than that is booing their own team. So I mean, they'll be happy with that. That's people in Philadelphia are probably rejoicing. They got a big dumb goon who can hurt people, and then you know whenever he's a minus four in a game, they can boo him. So it's it's a win win for Philadelphia. But um, you know that's that's crazy about how the actual team doctors have a say in a surgery that could actually affect someone's livelihood and the rest of their life. Um, uh, Pat McAfee was talking about that on his show a couple weeks ago. I think he had Darius Butler on about how, yeah. you know, in the, in the NFL specifically, they, a lot of players don't trust the team doctors because they do whatever they can to get that player on the field that week versus worrying about them for the rest of their life and their mobility and things like that. So that's, that's, that sucks to hear that that kind of thing happens in the NHL as well. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's what I was I was having a conversation with my buddy Sam the other day about this. Like, the the doctors work for the team. So like, mm. how's I, I don't see how that works in the league. Like, they should have independent physicians because, like you said, at the end of the day, the doctor probably yeah they're a doctor and they take the oath and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they're being paid by the organization. Very well, right? Right. 
you know, they're significantly doctors compensated. Are, doctors are paid well anyway, so the fact that they're taking a job with the team means they're getting paid more than that job would would be in the public sector. So, yeah, they're going to meet, even though they're taking the, the Hippocratic oath, like you said, it's, uh, you got to think that there's going to be times where they say they might kind of nudge them in a certain direction just to help the team out versus the actual patient, which, I don't know, there's something wrong with that. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't I don't like that at all, and I think that's a lot of um, a lot of sports are like that. And I can understand why, like you said, with Darius Butler mentioning it on the McAfee show, like players don't trust the doctors, and you know it, it's it's unfortunate. Hopefully, Jack Eichel gets it resolved. Um, I kind of have a feeling he's going to be on the roster for training camp, and that's going to mm-hmm. piss him off. Um, I don't know if he'll play, but I guess it remains to be seen what kind of procedure he gets done. If he has to get the fusion or he gets what he wants with the uh, disc replacement, the artificial disc replacement. But I don't know, man. I, I, I'm hoping he gets to another team, you know, and gets to showcase his skill, his ability, gets to play with some good wingers because he's a top end talent. I mean, this guy came into the NHL the pick after Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, McDavid's a generational talent was always going to go number one, but. Eichel wasn't that far off in terms of the prospect, and like he hasn't done anything. And you know, it's not necessarily all his fault. I mean, he could do better probably to lead his team. But to your point, like dude, their their organization hasn't surrounded him with any talent whatsoever. Pretty much, uh, bad goaltending, just just bad. He's bad, he's bad, a, bad. He's a hell of a hockey player, but he's not Crosby. Sid would they'd put Sid out there with whatever jabroni scrub they have on there, and they'd each get thirty points. You know, but yeah, exactly. But still, like, I mean, Eichel doesn't you, make you his also team have to better. Feel for him. Yeah, he's because he's. He creates a lot of space for himself, but he's not as much of a setup guy, you know? Um, but if you surrounded him with some other really talented players, he could have incredible numbers, and he could he could be a, a team that... My headset just fell off. He could be, a, you know, a huge piece for a team that could go far. But um, I'd like to see him get traded just as a, a pure NHL fan. Um, but w- that'll be interesting to see how that develops as the year goes on. Yeah, do you remember... Um... John Sebastian D or JSD played for the Penguins for a little what, little bit. Yeah, I saw he just signed with Montreal just because he's Canadian, I think. Yeah, yeah. He, he played for New Jersey for a little while, but he actually had an interesting quote because he played in Buffalo last year. He said, uh, I'll read this quote too. I'm a quote guy this week. Um, <laughs> Big quote guy. <laughs> he said, uh, quote, I didn't really get a chance to chat a lot with him, meaning Jack Eichel. I don't think he's a bad person when you get to know him, but all I can say is that he's not Sidney Crosby either. You see <laughs> right. the difference. You see the difference in leaders whenever you get into a room where Sidney Crosby is. No matter who you are, the individual, your name, your draft rank, he's going to take care of you. He's going to talk to you as if he was talking to a fan, a kid he would meet on the street. Like I said, he's not a bad person, but perhaps there are also reasons why Buffalo was in a situation like that. I have been around leaders over the course of my career, and often uh, you see the difference, the type of person he is off the ice. Jack's an excellent hockey player, but in terms of leadership, sometimes I think I'm sure that with age and maturity, he'll gain um, that he will gain. He's going to get better and better. Often, it's a lot of pressure having to perform and being a captain at a young age. But like I said, he's not a bad person, but I don't think he's the leader we can find with the Penguins, like with Crosby. So like, there's that side of it too. Like maybe his teammates and people that have played with him, maybe he's like, you know, not the best leader, not the best teammate, and hopefully he learns and he gets his fresh start wherever he wants to go. But uh, you know. It's it's definitely a crazy situation for Jack Eichel in yeah. Buffalo, and that organization sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that plays out throughout the year. I could also see, I know they've been kind of dragging their feet trading him, even though he obviously wants out and has requested it. But people forget, I mean, even no matter how these are going so far with the way these teams are settling in, once the season starts, a couple weeks in, a couple, you know, at some teams' top two centers get hurt. 
all of a sudden they have a little bit of space on the you know the long term salary cap, and maybe they can make a trade for something that uh, Buffalo would actually like. So I know that they were asking for a ton because they kind of have the leverage in the trade deals. I, did you hear what they wanted? It was something like um, two first-round picks and two NHL-ready players or something like that? It might be even more than that, dude. I, yeah. I, I want to say it's three first-rounders um, at least. They want like an NHL-ready player and like two top prospects. And I'm like, yeah, you got one of the best young pro- you know, young players in the NHL, but you're in a horrible you know situation because everybody knows that he doesn't want to play there. So like... You know, you, when when are the Sabers going to get desperate? Are they going to wait till, like I said, training camp, the regular season, and actually have Jack Eichel in the lineup? That's not going to be good for the team and the morale and the organization. And he's going to be out there moping and playing like shit, looking like uh, hell. Who was that guy? Who was it last year? I can't remember. It's escaping me right now. That oh, it was uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. He was having like some of the most low effort shifts I've ever seen in my life. He looked like a beer <laughs> leaguer out there. And uh, he was just oh, trying man. to do whatever he could to get traded. He was like, he he wasn't physical at all. He literally looked like a beer leaguer with no contact. It was crazy. You might see that from Eichel. You never know. Bad body language, and that could be bad for their team. It'll be interesting to watch. But speaking of beer leagues, I gotta I have to have to commend you for a comment you made yesterday that I I was laying in bed last night after our game kind of sore and I started laughing because I thought of what you said afterwards. <laughs> There's this scrub defenseman on the other team who was just big mouth talking the whole game. Um, we're up, what, 3-1 with, uh, uh, I think, maybe six minutes left in the game. And they're, they're, the other team's buzzing. They have it down in our zone. They're getting a bunch of shots on net. And this guy, on a face-off, is standing there, like, talking to our bench, not paying attention. <laughs> it might have been you that won the face-off forward right out of the zone. Our, our buddy Steve just takes off, blows past him. <laughs> I, I come skate to the zone, so we end up scoring. And this guy, like, he basically cost his team – the chance of getting back in and then after the game he was trying to be uh trying to be a hardo and he came over to steve and like threw a puck and just goes oh i see you were really excited about that goal uh you know i wanted to give you the puck it seemed memorable and just you with no hesitation just said maybe you should keep this and practice a little bit bud and i just i I didn't really register at the time but i thought of it later and i just burst out laughing like a couple hours dude that's because that's because that guy like totally unprovoked dude i was like just making a line change and all I was trying to do, I, I just like got the puck and I chipped it in deep and was just trying to get off. So that's what I did. The next time I'm on the ice, he's on the ice. And like it's the end of my shift again. But this time it's a whistle. And I'm skating off and he goes, keep your head up, bud. And I'm like, get out of like, here. What the fuck are you talking about? And I, I like just looked at him. And he's like, yeah, keep your head up. So after that, I'm like, this fucking guy. He he was like, the, his his legs, his skates were bent so far inwards because he could barely stand up on him. He was absolutely brutal. I love that he completely cost his team the game. And <laughs> I love that you give me credit. So happy. I love that you give me credit for winning the faceoff forward. It's actually one of the very few faceoffs I'll say that I lost in the game. Uh, but it was hilarious because the guy wanted to draw a clean against me, and it just went right back to him. And he's like having a conversation with somebody on our bench and completely turns the puck over, and then we go down and score. It was great. That team sucked. But, uh, you know, dude, it's – the, the trades too, like uh, some of the other trades. I know we talked about the flurry trade. Um, there's been a bunch of them, obviously. Uh, Louis Erickson got traded from the uh, Vancouver Canucks, and, and Oliver Ekman Larson going been, the other they way. They've been trying to trade him for so long. I know, dude. I know. And uh, Oliver Ekman Larson gets a fresh start uh, from Arizona. He went to Vancouver as part of that trade. I think he'll flourish up there. We'll see what uh, Vancouver can do because they have um, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are uh, restricted free agents right now. So we'll see what kind of tickets they get. Um, 
you know, other defensemen moving on. Seth Jones, big trade to Chicago. Chicago's loading up, man. But uh, what did you make of that? Because he signed an eight-year, $9.5 million extension, That's Seth Jones, with the Blackhawks. That's a, he had a couple of rough years, too. But, I mean, we'll see. Have him move to a good team. Um, he's a really good player. And then maybe having Flurry behind him is going to help him out, too. We'll see. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what happens with him. He's a, he's a great Taves player. Will be back, but didn't Taves miss all of last season or most of it or something like that? Yeah, he missed the entire season yeah, with like a, kind of like a weird health issue that they never really addressed what it was. Um, they kind of did. They had like a video after the season, but it didn't really get into specifics. I think he had that a hole in his remember. ass. It was the official <laughs> medical <laughs> diagnosis. Yeah. And he got a second oh, opinion, Christ. and they said that's that's normal, man. You're, you're yeah, fine. that's you normal, bro. <laughs> Uh, lost the whole year there. Yeah. <laughs> they also, the Blackhawks also got Ch- uh, Tyler Johnson from the uh, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Lightning because Tampa Bay's kind really, of really, really. So he, he's cap. an unbelievable, like, third line center. You know, he, was, he scores big goals and big moments. Um, but how, what is Tampa doing with the salary cap? I saw it, like, you know, that you mentioned that it was a really good free agency. I mean, there was probably, what, three times more teams, mo- uh, players moved around on the first day than last year. But somehow, I know they lost a few pieces, but I saw like Tampa signed like seven more guys. I thought they were already over the salary cap. What are they doing down there? Yeah, well, they got rid of uh, – so they lost Yanni Gord to Seattle. Mm-hmm. They lost Barkley Goudreau. He signed a big ticket with the Rangers. They lost um, uh, Blake Coleman. I think he went to the Calgary Flames. So they opened up a little bit of space. And then in that Tyler Johnson trade, they acquired Brent Seabrook's contract which is on LTIR. So they're actually, I'm looking at capfriendly.com right now. It says the Lightning salary cap is, uh, their projected cap hit is 87.2 million. So that's about six and a half million over the salary cap. So they, but that's with, uh, you know, Brett Seabrook's LTIR. So they're doing the same thing, similar, not as much of a, you know, over the cap as they were last year with Kucherov and Stamkos being out for a little bit, but they're doing a little bit of the same thing. They're trying to get some extra cap space by uh, sending some draft capital and a player over to Chicago for, um, you know, some extra cap space, I guess, with some LTIR. So we'll see. They got some work to do, uh, but they, they just signed Braden Point. He got nine, I think he got nine and a half million over eight years. Same contract as uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Nikita Kucherov. So those are pretty uh, favorable deals because those guys, definitely Kucherov could probably, you know, be upwards of 11, 12 million if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but being down there in Tampa, no state tax, good team. Having a chance still, to win the Stanley Cup every year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long as they have Vasilevsky, they're going to be good. He's unbelievable. Guy's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I know. It's 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 unreal what they're doing down there. And I think even though they lost a bunch of those pieces, I think they'll still be a, a ridiculously good team in that division. Mm-hmm. I guess it's going back to the uh, – what the hell is it? I, I can't remember the division names now because it switched. It's like, I think it's the Atlantic because we're the Metro. So the Atlantic um, – and they'll be in the same division now with like – you know, Toronto back with Toronto and, and Florida, and those are probably the top three teams in that one, division. One team moved too, because the Kraken are coming in in the Pacific, and somebody moved. Yeah, I it's Arizona. The, Arizona. Arizona moved okay. to the Central. Oh, who, yeah, who cares? they moved to the Central. <laughs> they're not. They're gonna. They're gonna win four games next year. Who cares? Dude, it's crazy because they're taking on everybody. I don't want to spend too much time on them, but they took uh, Shane Goss to spare a second rounder and a seventh rounder for quote future considerations. They're basically just taking. They took Andrew Ladd's contract from the Islanders. Um, they got next, so they they took all these guys that are basically jabronis or they're hurt, and they're taking these contracts to give other teams cap space in order to better their teams, and they're just like trying to collect draft capital. Basically, they're doing a good job of, of we'll see what they do with their draft capital. But basically, next year, Ray, the Coyotes have two first rounders and five second rounders. 
So we'll see what they can do, man, because they, they got a lot of picks. And they lost a first-rounder this year um, in the draft because they had some issue where they were violating rules in the NHL Combine or something like that. But yeah. um, they still have a lot of prospects. And They were doing, it, they were doing um, some kind of cardio testing or something like that, which they're not allowed to do. I think that was yeah. – I can't remember yeah. the exact story, but yeah, yeah, they were they were like working out like cardio tests or something like that that was against the rules, um, you know, for draft prospects and stuff, and they ended up losing the first rounder this year. But they had two first rounders this year, so they still got to make one selection. The other one just got forfeited. Um, and you know, with Buffalo too, we talked about Sam Reinhart went to Florida. I think that's a good pickup for them. I mentioned with the Kraken, um, they kind of came in last minute and signed Philip Grubauer. Mm-hmm. To a six-year, I think I think six years, five point nine million a year. I want to say it was, and it actually came out that his contract was rejected. I don't know if you saw that. They they like front-loaded the contract. It was so something like in the it. second year that it has to be like within twenty-five percent of the year before it or something like that. So yeah, they have to re- they have to restructure it a little bit. But it'll still go through. But that caused right. um, Colorado to trade for Darcy Kemper. Um, that was interesting. I, I'm surprised. There must have been something else going on behind the scenes because, like, for a starting goalie, I mean, what, six, seven, five? I mean, that's that's not crazy, and Colorado's close. They've been really good for a couple of years. I'm surprised they were willing to part with their starter because you never really know. I mean, Kemper's played well, but you never really know what's going to happen when someone else comes in. I'm surprised they weren't able to, to re-sign Grubauer. That one actually kind of caught me off guard. Dude, yeah, me too. And Seattle came out of nowhere, but Grubauer, he was a Vezina finalist last yeah, year. Yeah, he was good. He and, was really and good. He was, he was really good. And like you said, Colorado's closer, a couple pieces away. I think they're still going to be the favorite going into the season for the Stanley Cup. And your point about Darcy Kemper, um, he had a 9-2-2 save percentage over the last three seasons in the NHL, which is third in the league behind Robin Leonard and Andre Vasilevsky. So we, he, but he's been banged up a lot. That's his problem. Uh, but when he's in there, he's, he's lights out. Uh, it's just crazy. Like, I think it was five point nine million. I want to say that Grubauer got, which it, it it really struck me that like they couldn't go to that. Colorado couldn't go to that. Right. That's not, it, like you it said, wasn't not like, a lot of money. It wasn't like he signed a, a Carey Price contract where he's making ten million or something like that. It was like five point nine for your starting goalie who was that good. You like you couldn't have given him an extra you know five hundred thousand or something to get him up to what he wanted. That's strange. Yeah. I was surprised by that, like you said, for sure. And the other stat on Kemper, he was uh, ranked fourth in the NHL last year with a two point two two goals against and third in save percentage. Uh, with 928, so 92.8% save percentage. So I think he'll flourish. Uh, they also have Pavel Fransuz, I think is how you say it, or Franso, or however you say his name, their backup goalie. Um, the, <laughs> yeah, the one guy they traded to the Coyotes, though, um, I believe his name is Connor Timmons. I believe he has one brown eye and one blue eye. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty sick, dude. I heard like, that today. Like, I'm like, like what husky, the hell? Like, how's that you know, possible? Husky dogs have those a lot. Yeah, that dude's a boss. Uh, but he, I guess, uh, I think it was Edmonton was in on Darcy Kemper as well because they need a goaltender bad. Um, but because they, they resigned Mike Smith for like his 94th year in the league, <laughs> and uh, Miko Koskinen couldn't save a beach ball. But, um, you know, they were in on it. But I guess the, the Coyotes liked Connor Timmons in the package that Colorado could provide. So that's where he ended up going. So I still think it, it's kind of almost a wash. I think if, if Kemper can stay healthy, you know, it just, it was surprising to me that. With a Vezina finalist, that they weren't gonna, they weren't willing to go uh, to sign Grubauer to like around six million a year, and it's crazy because the Capitals just gave Grubauer away. Remember that they they uh-huh. traded uh, they traded Brooks Orpic to the Colorado Avalanche with Philip Grubauer just so the because uh, they had a big contract just so the Avalanche 
could buy out Brooks Orpic, and then the Capitals just re-signed him again at a much cheaper deal. They kind of like went around the salary cap that way. But they basically just gave away a goalie. And now you see the Capitals are kind of looking for a goaltender. They have Ilya Samsonov. Mm-hmm. They actually lost they lost Vitek Vanasek in the uh, – or Vanacek, I think is how you say it – in the uh, expansion draft. And then whenever the Kraken came in and signed Grubauer, they just traded Vanacek back to the Capitals. So the Capitals didn't lose anybody either, similar to Toronto in the uh, expansion draft. Strange. So very strange. Yeah, it's definitely uh definitely strange. Um I want to shift over a little bit, uh talk about the um NHL draft a little bit. Because the NHL draft was so boring, dude. It was so boring. I I, I just <laughs> no, I, I tried watching it and it was just like a lot of the guys you don't know, because uh, you don't watch like junior hockey and all that and stuff like that. And it was just like the presentation was bad. The only couple things I wanted to mention were four of the first five picks in the draft were um Michigan Wolverines, all from the same school. So like, wow. and most of them will probably go back to school. So like, it's unbelievable how much of a wagon that team's gonna be if they don't win the national championship. Something's wrong. You got four of the top five first picks. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. Um, and then it was like the brother, like it was like the brother draft, dude. Uh, Luke Hughes, who's the Luke brother Hugh, of Jack I was just Hughes. gonna say, yeah, exactly. And then yeah, there you was, got drafted by the Devils. One other one. There was two more. Uh, Kale McCarr, the uh, he signed a big ticket, nine million a year with, over with six Colorado, years. Colorado, yeah. With Colorado, his brother got selected by the Avalanche as well, and then Kirby Doc, the centerman for the uh, Blackhawks, his brother got selected by the Blackhawks too. So it was pretty cool to see that a little bit. That's pretty much the extent of the highlights uh, from the NHL draft. There was a little bit of controversy with a guy from Montreal that um, he has like a his name is Logan Melu, I think. Melu, yeah. It. I mean. Every single year, Montreal goes out of their way to load up with French Canadians. It's it's almost hilarious. Like the, they'll sign fringe guys just because they have like a French sounding name. I think at points. Yeah, this guy though, he has like a little bit of a checkered past. I don't want to mm-hmm. get into all that, but yeah, basically he was like, yeah, he was accused of um, some sort of you know sexual crime, and he. Uh, you know, took himself out of the draft. He said he didn't want to be selected, but Montreal went ahead and selected him anyway. That, that so. was the big controversy too. Is they also selected him higher than he was. He was he was uh, predicted to go somewhat early in the second round, and they took him in the first. So like, yeah, and I think like, it doesn't make it any better. Be, yeah, no, it's weird. It doesn't make it any better. Like where he would have went in the draft. Obviously, like I said, I don't want to get into all that. You feel for the victim, whatever the case is, you know, but. You know, it just seemed like it was ridiculous how Montreal, I guess they thought somebody else was going to take him and they thought highly of the player. Maybe he'll turn out to be a good player and he's turned his life around, whatever the case is, I guess. You know, maybe he deserves a second chance, stuff like that. Again, I'm not touching any of that. But, um, you know, obviously not not what the NHL was looking for. And Gary Bettman actually came out uh, a couple days later and he mentioned that he was stunned by that draft pick and that uh, he feels a little bit weird about it as, you know, being a father of two daughters. So mm-hmm. I, I was actually shocked that he said that. Like I was yeah, surprised kind of that a, Gary yeah, Bettman said that. Gary Bettman is one of those people that he says, he'll say 500 words and he'll say nothing. So that was like surprising to actually hear him say that. Um, I think part of the reason there was so much controversy around that is I, I think people were, were pretty happy with the statement he made. Obviously not like with what, you know, the stuff that he's done in the past, but he made a statement saying, I just don't think I'm mature enough to be drafted this year. I need to grow as a person. I don't deserve it. Which like a couple people were kind of like, oh, you know, that's actually, you know, that's that's mature of him to say that and try to, you know, turn his life around. And then they just said like, oh, that's good enough and drafted him. You know, like that's <laughs> after he yeah. said, don't draft me this year, pretty much. Like I'm not, you know, I need to, I need to kind of prove that I you know, I deserve it. So that, yeah, it's strange. 
Very yeah, it's 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 tough to even discuss it, and um, you know, I'm sure the NHL is not happy about it, um, especially everything going on with the Chicago Blackhawks and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I haven't dug into that either, but they have a um, another you know sexual crime that potentially allegedly went on in their organization, so that's still being investigated and things like that. But I'll leave it at that. Uh, I just wanted to make those notes on the NHL draft. Uh, just a couple other signings, Ray, and a couple other notes before we jump into some pro wrestling talk here. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the Olympics first, real quick. Um, Zach Wierenski signed a big year or big ticket, a six-year deal, nine point five eight three million in Columbus. I think that's a bit of an overpay, but honestly, I think you probably have to overpay somebody to stay in Columbus. Like it's almost like uh, with Wierenski. Like <laughs> how many people have begged to get out of there in the last? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. Like you almost for the credibility of your organization and your team and your fan base, you almost have to overpay that guy. And credit to um, you know Wierenski for getting that deal. I mentioned Makar. He signed six years, nine million. Makar to me is a much better player than Wierenski, but I think it's the Columbus factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I heard today. So Darnell Nurse. I mentioned I thought he would be a. Um, he, he probably could have won the Norris Trophy. I mentioned that a couple episodes back. He's incredible. And- six five, and he can skate. Like that's it's rare to have really good like stick handling and puck skills and be that big and physical too. He's a he's a hell of a hockey player. But the last two guys you mentioned, both Zach Zach Wierenski and Darnell Nurse, the reason I knew exactly how tall he was, they're both on my NHL Hockey's Ultimate Team. <laughs> they're both on my defense. They're, they're actually a, they're paired together on my second pairing. That's awesome, dude. That's uh, how much money did you, did you put any of your own money into that? Oh, no. Or those uh, all? No, no, you should never put your own money. If anyone's listening, the the packs, the probabilities are so low. Just grind out the uh, the daily objectives. That's the only thing you should do in that. Never yeah, it's so funny because. My buddy Connor, uh, one of my best friends, dude. He he's a he has no patience whatsoever, and he would just like put all his money in like to buy all the good players because like I can't play. The last time I played hockey ultimate team, Ray, I think my me and my buddy Dustin used to play it religiously, but it was like back when the Penguins had Marcel Gotch, and he was like the best <laughs> player I ever had, like the best player I had. That you know they give you like a jabroni like third or fourth liner to start. At least they used to. And then, like, I got a pack with, like, Jamie Benn and Pavel Datsuk, and then I sold them, and then that's how I ended up getting a good team because I got a shit ton of coins for those guys. Yeah. And then they, I was able to sign a bunch of, like, guys that weren't quite as good as them, but I had a more, like, I guess, rounded I've, lineup. I put but... a little bit more time into mine. I have, on my first line, <laughs> I have uh, <laughs> I, I have Crosby with, like, a 98 overall Ovechkin on – He's playing on his off wing because I like to have a righty on the on the right side, and then Lemieux is my second line center. So I might have uh, I might have put a little <laughs> bit more time into that. That'd be a nice lineup. It's That'd be a bad. nice lineup. Um, but you know, you mentioned Ovechkin. Before we get to his contract, I just want to point out uh, another defenseman. Like I was saying with Darnell Nurse, it's it's rumored that he's going to get like eight years times nine million a year from the uh, Oilers. That's the that's the contract he's seeking. And that's similar to what Dougie Hamilton got. I think Dougie Hamilton got seven years times nine million, so sixty-three sheets. Dude, that, like Darnell Nurse, and that team is already up against the cap, and you're going to oh, give yeah. Darnell Nurse nine million. It's like I don't expect them to win anything anytime soon. And I know Oilers fans, if there are anybody out there listening no. that's an Oilers fan, yeah, which you're probably not. It. They don't have it. They're, they're, yeah, they're not. They're not getting. There's no way with they, they that. They screwed cap up like way. I mean, when they were awful, they had all those first overall draft picks, and 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 they screwed a lot of those up. They made the wrong trades. They made the wrong signings. They they're 
they don't have a chance. I mean, they're I they're a really fun regular season team. McDavid, Drysdale are going to put up a ton of points. They're fun to watch. They're going to have highlights, but come playoff time, they just don't have it. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, and you got to figure that Boston Bruins defenseman Charlie McAvoy, he's a restricted free agent next summer. He's got to be licking his chops, dude. Just seeing this money go around. Seeing some and of hoping these contracts, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and hoping next year with the, you know, hopefully COVID's dead and gone by then um, and the cap starts to go up a little bit or at least it's projected to go up and he's going to cash in big, dude, like mm-hmm. that. Because he's a stud. He had a great playoff, too. Um, I guess sticking with the Bruins, before we get to Ovechkin, sticking with the Bruins, what do you make of uh, David Krejci? He kind of just called it quits in the United States, and he's going to go back to Czech. It was cool because he said, like, half his family speaks Czech or whatever their language is, and then he speaks uh, – half his family speaks English. So he wants his kids to kind of get uh, raised how he was and go back to Europe. And, um, you know, I think he's only, like, 30 games away from 1,000 or 40 games away from 1,000 in the NHL, and Boston Bruins fans obviously are having a conniption because now they have no second-line center, mm-hmm. even though – I sat at a Penguins game. I went to like three Penguins games uh, against the Bruins. And honest to God, dude, because my dad used to split season tickets with this guy. I sat next to the same Bruins fan. He must be he must live in Pittsburgh, but I sat next to him all three games, and all he did the entire game was shit on David Krejci and how bad he was. And I'm like, dude, you don't know what you got. Like he's a good player, and he yeah. shows up in the playoffs. He's like the prototypical second line center. Um, good player. It's going to be difficult to replace him, but I guess what's your take on on him going back and well, good playing for him? Check? I mean, I, I I get it. I mean, he's won what? He won two cups with the Bruins. Is it two? Or, uh, no, he, he just won one. Just one. Just one. Yeah, twenty eleven. Yep. Yeah, he won one cup with the Bruins. Um, he's been to three, but won one. Oh yeah, I, I was looking up something today um, about the team's records in in NHL finals. I think like. What Pittsburgh's five and one or five and two? I think the Oilers are the same. The Bruins have won a bunch, but they've also lost like fourteen. In they've made it to the finals. That like it, they, I don't I don't know how many Stanley Cups they've won, but it's way less than the number they lost. But anyways, I mean he's only thirty five years old, and like you said, his, if his kids are bilingual and he wants to move back home, he's still going to be good for a couple years. Um, a lot of the players who move back and play in a European league, or a lot of them go to the Russian Super League, they do it after they're forty. And they're just kind of doing it to make another paycheck. Um, it's right. kind of cool for him to actually go back there and be good and competitive. He might be the best player in their league. Yeah, outside of Yarmir Yager, baby. Yarmir Yager's still kicking. Oh, he's got another 10 years to go. Yeah, he's got... <laughs> Did you... His team was about to get relegated. I guess they do the same thing that like they, they do in, in soccer leagues. But yeah, the Premier he league. came in, played a few games. Had, I saw one game where he had a goal and nine assists or something like that. And they moved back up to the, the top level of the league again. Because, of course, they did. Yeah, Yager is still nasty. He's, He's probably. I love Yarmir Yager, man. I can't wait to see him come back to Pittsburgh and get his number in the rafters where it belongs. I thought you were um, going to say come back to to work the power play this year. Hey, maybe. Oh, yeah. If Hextall yeah, wants mean, to get wants the team to get bigger, I mean. He's still got the biggest ass in the NHL, dude. Nobody can get the puck <laughs> off that guy. On the half wall, you can't get the puck off him. It's impossible. He's still as strong as hell. One of the strongest <laughs> lower bodies there ever was in the NHL. Um, that was the, the thousand squats a day. That's, a, that's I heard a funny thing. This actually ties into the uh, Capitals I want to talk about in a second with Ovechkin. I know I've punted Ovechkin here about four times in a row, but um, I heard something that, like, I never realized this, but whenever the Capitals, they were horrible before they got Ovechkin, similar to the Penguins. But mm-hmm. when Yager went to the Capitals, his teammates were so bad that he wouldn't even take line rushes in the warm-up. <laughs> he would just do his own thing in the corner. And then he'd go out and he'd score 100 points or whatever, but his team would be, like, dead last. But, like, they said, like, he wouldn't even take line rushes with the guys. 
That's just so Yager. It's so funny. I That's love a classic it. Classic Yager move. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> knowing him, he probably had to stop at the casino beforehand to get a couple <laughs> more bets in before the game. <laughs> oh shit. Um, but yeah, Ovechkin back with the Capitals. I think everybody expected that. I was a little surprised at the term. Uh, five years, nine and a half million dollars a year. Actually, it was reported that he wanted to sign like a three-year deal, but uh, Ted Leones is the owner of the Capitals, wanted him for five years, and it kind of matches him up to Nicholas Backstrom's contract. I think John Carlson has four years left, um, and we'll see what they do with Evgeny Kuznetsov. But I think right now the Capitals, I don't, I don't want to say they don't want to win the Stanley Cup, but I don't think that's their top priority. I think their top priority is selling tickets and uh, marketing the hell out of the Ovechkin's chase to uh, pass Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. He needs 165 goals to pass Wayne Gretzky, um, so it really needs to average 33 goals a year over the next five years. Um, I guess, Ray, what do you think? you think he can do it? you think he will? Um, I don't know. I've, I've hated on Ovechkin a lot through my career, just naturally, for my career, through his career, just naturally, just the whole, <laughs> the whole Sid Ovechkin thing. But now as he, as, as it like, he's gotten older too. I just got to respect the way that he could just put the puck in the net. Um, let's put it this way. I wouldn't be shocked if he did it. Um, I, the, for me, I don't know if he's going to want to stay there that long though. Cause I know he's always said that he wants to go back and play, the last year or two of his career in Russia. So it's, it's kind of a race against time. Um, I think he's going to still be productive as long as he feels like playing. So uh, we'll see if he slows down. The thing that he does have going for him is he, he seems to never get hurt versus, uh, you know, that's the biggest, uh, the parallel between him and Sid. Sid's done all kinds of amazing things, but has missed long stretches for all kinds of reason. Ovechkin, I think, has only missed like at most five games a season or something like that. So I, mean, I think he can uh, do it. it's possible yeah. he can do it. Yeah, I, I personally think he will do it. I personally hope he does do it, uh, just solely for the reason that it's going to piss off the dinosaur Canadians that a Russian player will have the <laughs> oh, most yeah. goals and Wayne Gretzky oh, yeah. they, won't. They hate, they hate ever mentioning that a Russian player could be good just because they're not from Moose Factory, Ontario or something. <laughs> yeah, Sault Ste. Marie. I can't yeah. wait to hear uh, Don Cherry's take on it when it happens. But um, his lowest total was like 20-something um, and in, in like a lockout year. You know, I think 33 goals, you can pencil him in at least for the next two or three years where he can probably get 40 still. Um, just standing in the circle, clapping one-timers, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> oh, the power play from that left circle, even though people know it's coming, it's, it, he still scores it. I know, and I saw videos online. You probably saw him too, but, like, his son is uh, his son's a lefty, which is pretty cool. But he was, like, How teeing his son up with the one-timers. If, if uh, his son and, and Malkin's son go one and two, oh, whatever, 16 years from now or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be awesome, dude. Nikita and uh, I can't remember Ovechkin's son's name. Yeah, that would be amazing, though. But Malkin's son's name's Nikita. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think it's a good deal. Obviously, I think the Capitals, you know, they wouldn't be where they're at obviously without Ovechkin, just right. in terms of a financial perspective, dude. Like he's turned them into one of the premier franchises in the NHL. Um, made Ted Leone's just a boatload of money, and I think that's why he was willing to to compensate Ovechkin the way he was. And honestly. Elliot Friedman said this on his podcast. I know I keep going back to that, and I, I tend to agree. He said, you know, if Ovechkin wanted $81.5 million and nobody else could play, he would be worth it. Like, the Capitals should be like, because, <laughs> you, know, you know, who knows what would have happened to the Capitals? And you could probably say the same thing about the Penguins. Who knows what would have happened to the Penguins without Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin? Like, fuck, we might be sitting here talking about, you know, Kansas City Penguins. So it, Crazy it's, to think about that, too. Also, I mean... They had the lottery. We almost had a Vetchkin. 
and we got Malkin instead. But then for the Sid thing, we could have had who was the number two pick that year? Was it Bobby Ryan? It was Bobby Ryan. Yeah, that's a very different player than Sidney fucking Crosby. <laughs> I know, I know, it's a massive drop off. No, no slight to Bobby Ryan. He's right, just... he's had a really good career, but that is not. He's not the kind of franchise altering, history changing player that Sidney. He's had an unbelievable life too. Have you read about that or like heard about Nuts. Bobby Ryan? Some, yeah, absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his dad, I can't remember the exact specifics, but his dad was like. Some sort of, I don't know if he was like a gangster. Or, I, I, I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. I don't want to misquote it. The article I it, but read was... like, kind of suggested that without actually saying it. There was all kinds of shady things going on, and they had to like relocate and hide a bunch of times. It was, it was very... Yeah, and Bobby Ryan's like not his biological like birth right. name. Um, he changed his name to like get away from that so he wouldn't be in trouble and stuff, and then he ended up being a sick NHLer. And it's crazy. If you have time, I think there's a Sportsnet special. Sportsnet's out of Canada, but you can find it on YouTube. Uh, definitely check that out, man. It's pretty awesome with Bobby Ryan, like what he's overcome. And then in recent years, he's overcome like depression and alcoholism and um, substance abuse and stuff like that. And he's got back to, you know, being a pretty solid NHL player. I think he's in Detroit now. Or he was last year. I want to say he's still there. Uh, so hopefully he, you know, he stays on the right path. And um, I want to, I guess last note, I just want to make real quick on the NHL was um, we talked about this in the locker room yesterday, Ray, but uh, Evander Kane. So real quick, he's – I've talked about this. I think last time you were on or maybe a couple times ago you were on, we talked about Evander Kane. But mm-hmm. That he, might, have been, uh, that might he, have been the very first one, actually, I think. It might have been, yeah. He has he has gambling issues, I guess, that were – I guess that have been thrown out by Vegas casinos. I think we talked about it last time where Vegas casinos said he owed them a lot of money. Actually, they investigated, and I think those were thrown out that they weren't, uh, weren't true or whatever the case is, or maybe he's settled. But – his wife um, posted on Instagram, or his, I, I guess his soon-to-be ex-wife. Soon-to-be ex, as they worded it, yeah. Yeah, posted on uh, Instagram all this stuff that he's like a deadbeat dad, doesn't take care of his daughter. He has another baby on the way. Meanwhile, he's like with these Instagram models and all this stuff, and he just seems like a scumbag guy, and he's uh, been betting on games that he's been playing in, the San Jose Sharks games and stuff like that. It's Pete Rose in it. Yeah, the NHL, they're, they're taking it serious. They're investigating it. Um, I, I want to say, though, that it's crazy because I'm not sure how you could throw a game as an NHL player, number one. Number two, he had, like, I think he had his best uh, statistical career of his – or statistical year season, of his career yeah. his last year. I think he was over a point per game. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. He's come out and he's denied everything, obviously. Um, and the NHL is taking it seriously. Anytime you see gambling, all the gambling partnerships they have with, like, MGM and the sports books and stuff like that. And, you know, it's – it's crazy, but his his ex wife or his soon to be ex wife's definitely uh, putting some of their lawn or their dirty laundry out there, and you kind of feel I feel I feel bad for the kids, man. The kids are going to grow up one day and they're going to read this. Some of this shit just needs to stay off of social media, in my opinion. It's just take care of your your personal life. Don't put it on Instagram. Don't put it on Twitter. Uh, I don't want to tell people how to live their life, but it just seems like it's a bad decision. Maybe in the heat of the moment, you think it's the right idea, but when you look back on it, you kind of you you both look like dumbasses to me. We could spend a full you you could have, your entire podcast could just be focused on how problems are made so much worse by adding social media to the mix. So that's <laughs> that's probably a good advice for everyone. Just you know maybe talk things out in person, let it cool down for a little bit. But I mean, I'm also not going to touch that one because it's a developing story, so not all the details are out. And I think that's that's probably the best way to address things this day is just wait till you hear all the stories and all the news comes out before you make a statement on it. Yeah, I just want to I just want to point out I guess oh, what's yeah. been alleged. Um, but I'm I'm with you. I, I I'm not gonna comment any further. I don't think it's 
you know, my place to say anything. We'll see how it plays out. And hopefully in the interest of, you know, both Evander, his, his wife, um, and his kids, hopefully everything works out for the best. That's all we can hope for. Um, Just everyone should take it easy gambling. Do what I do when you go to the casino. You take 20 bucks, put it, put it, <laughs> go to the roulette table, throw it down on one thing. If you hit, you hit. If you, if you, you don't, you lose 20 bucks, and then you go right to the uh, little cafe, buy some chicken fingers and a Coors Light, and then you have a good night. Smart man. Definitely a smart man. It's uh, it's definitely something you can get caught up in, man. I would not advise doing doing too much gambling for sure. I hate um, it. I, I hate gambling just because I always think of all the things that I could have bought instead. So, you know, it's just not for me. Not for me. I've had that before. Like the next morning, I'll wake up after going to the casino. And this, like, I haven't been to the casino in like probably six years. But, um, you know, me and my buddy Dustin used to go and play blackjack. And I mean, we'd win a good bid or we'd lose, whatever. But I'd wake up, like you said, the next morning and I'd be like, damn, dude, I could have done something with that 100 bucks I blew last night on something stupid. Like, you know, but it, it's fun when you're winning, but it's very few and far between when you actually, you know, win something and you actually leave with money in your pocket. You might win for a half an hour and then you decide you're going to try to win more and then you end up losing way yeah, more than you People don't know to. when to walk away. Set, set a number in your head. And if you hit that, leave and set a number if you. That same number, if you lose that much, leave. You know, no matter what, just set those boundaries. That's the best way to approach it, I think. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, man. Uh, I mentioned about the Olympics in the intro. I just wanted to talk briefly because I honestly, I think you uh, haven't either because we've talked about it, but <laughs> I haven't really watched much I of it. I haven't watched the second of the Olympics. I don't know why. I just don't. Maybe it's just because I don't like watching live TV and also at the same time, whenever it's in, like, uh, is it in Tokyo this year? Yeah. So, like, I'm sleeping when all the things are live, and it's impossible to not see results in 2021. I think I'll tune into the Olympics if it's something that's in, like, close to my time zone. But other than that, I'm going to find out about the results anyways. And it's, like, outside of um, some of the soccer matches are fun to watch, but, like, I just don't care who is the best at, at backwards – <laughs> flipping around and riding a horse and making a dance and then like they give you scores for it like it's not <laughs> this might be a hot take but like I, I'd, no, much rather watch, not. I'd much rather watch real sports you know that i actually am invested in the stories <laughs> of the players everyone gets so into the olympics just because oh this guy's from the u.s we're cheering for him it's like okay cool he's throwing a javelin real far like uh, uh, <laughs> gives a shit <laughs> Yeah, dude, exactly. That's you guys all. Forget I, this guy's name. Like ten minutes, you're just waiting for football season to start. You know. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. It's just something to fill the time, and I never really got into it either. Um, you know, I don't think it's a bad take at all. Like you said, I, I really don't, because like they have some dumbass sports, dude. They have like they have like, like the speed walking championship right. the other day. I'm like, what like, is that? I get racing, like seeing who's the fastest runner. That's a big deal. Like I'm, you could say I'm the fastest person in the world this year. Like that's that's huge. I understand. Tune into that, but like like you said, that speed walking, by the way, is absolutely hilarious. If you've never seen a clip <laughs> of it, they do this yeah. little like duck waddle, and then like you get disqualified if you like jog for a second. Like they. they yeah. People watching them, <laughs> making sure that like they're just. You know yeah. what it looks like. Whenever uh, you cross, uh, you know, if you you walk up to a sidewalk and someone in a car waves you on, and you do that little half-assed like hustle to make like as you wave to let them know that like hey, I appreciate you letting me go. That's what the speed walking looks like. You don't actually really go faster. <laughs> you just kind of swing your arms to make it look yeah. like you're you're hustling across the street. On top of that, that's a great that's a great point. But I I always think when I see it like 
it looks like when you're like downtown at work and you uh, you go out to lunch and you're like walking back to your building, but you have to shit real bad, so you, you don't want to look like you don't want to look like an asshole running through the streets in your suit. You so also don't like want you don't want to full out sprint either because you can kind of lose control of things. So you're kind of like holding everything in, but, but yeah, hustling. exactly. You you look like you're power walking. You're like trying to play it cool, but you know deep down you're like sweating because you have to go real bad. That's exactly what it looks like to now, me. Now that's just... a sport I'd watch. Speed walking, where they make everyone take a bunch of laxative beforehand, and they got to go a mile, and you and then and like they have the portajohns waiting at the end. That's see, see who has the most uh, ability to hold it in. That's yeah. incredible, dude. But like some of the other sports, I, somebody out there that's listening will correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I feel like I saw this where they have like three on three basketball or something like that. It's an Olympic sport, and they have like okay. other stupid ass sports. But I, I feel like they should add roller hockey, dude. Roller hockey would be sweet. Like I already know that they, they have ice hockey already, but roller hockey would be pretty cool. Just like you know, seeing seeing that like. I don't know. You could like see NHL players playing roller hockey. Like that. You remember that? <laughs> uh, you remember that pro beach roller hockey? You might have been too young. For, I, I always forget you're a couple years younger than me. Um, I feel like I know of it, but I don't remember it. It like, was on ESPN two, and I want to say it was on like it might have been on MTV for a little bit. It was called Pro Beach Roller Hockey, and they had a roller hockey rink, but uh, behind each net was elevated. So like if you'd come skate into the zone, like you could you could like ramp up it and like get a ton of speed coming and like people would just get absolutely wrecked doing that. And then the ridiculous part is they had little circles in the rink that were like worth more than one goal. Like if you took a slap shot from like <laughs> halfway across, it would be worth five or something like that. Like a Vetchkin spot was would be worth three points. You know, that that left wing yeah. circle where he takes the slap shot. Look up the YouTube. It, it was very short lived. I'm pretty sure it was just on like one summer on like ESPN eight the Ocho, you know, but um, <laughs> that's like lacrosse. They have like the two point goal or the two, yeah, the the two goal shot or whatever. That's like from like thirty yards out. That's pretty cool. I I don't remember it explicitly, but I feel like I've seen it before. But I definitely should YouTube it, and they 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 should do that, dude. I think that'd be pretty cool to add some like like you said. They have stupid sports, dude. Like some of the sports are just like what you know. Who cares about it? Like it's just there's it's something crazy. called dressage. Which you're, it's literally horse dancing, <laughs> and that's an Olympic sport. So like at that point, just like make up, have like have like a fan voted sport they throw in the Olympics, like some yard game that some kid makes up in their backyard. You know, we used to do that all the time. We'd go up to Snyder Park and just invent these elaborate games with rules that would kind of develop over the summer. Just have have them make up a sport and throw that in there. Why not? I mean, it's gonna be <laughs> more entertaining than some of that. Oh, for sure, dude, for sure. And I, I guess the last thing I want to mention on the uh, Olympics is um, this past Friday, I believe, was 25 years ago that Kurt Angle won the gold medal with a broken freaking neck. With a so I just want to freaking neck. <laughs> I want to shout out to Kurt Angle uh, for that. The pride of Pittsburgh, Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Um, great guy, great professional wrestler, obviously. Great uh, amateur wrestler, Olympic gold medalist. Um, just an awesome guy. So that's that's one thing I, I wanted to point out with the Olympics. But like I said, I haven't watched much of it, so nothing really to talk about. Uh, I'm glad you haven't watched it either because I don't want to feel like an asshole for not watching it. But it makes me feel better that you and I are in the same boat there. <laughs> I wanted to pivot over and talk a little bit about uh, professional wrestling, like I mentioned in the in the intro. And it's a big big time right now. Um, did you see John Cena returned at Money in the Bank, man? What'd you make of that? Ba, ba, da, ba. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny you say that. Before you get into anything, did you see like after this? Uh, 
Paul Heyman like the next night or I think it was the next night he was on Raw and he was like mimicking and making fun of John Cena's music. He's up there. He's like, bah, bah, nah, bah. he's like singing it into the <laughs> into the microphone and just like laughing and joking because Cena wasn't there. But dude, it was hilarious. I'm so happy you said that. But I guess like because the, the pop was massive, dude. At Money oh, yeah. in the Bank. Oh yeah. That, I, I think it was because they actually did a good job. We talk about how like um, as we were talking about the draft earlier, it's so hard to keep things secret on Twitter now. Um, yeah. That really has hurt the wrestling industry. Like uh, so many of the like the big moments were surprises before. Now, like someone will get a picture of someone walking into the arena, tweet it out, and everyone will know that they're they're going to be you know appearing at the Royal Rumble or something like that. So I think that one they actually did a good job hiding that. No one was expecting it. I don't know if they snuck Cena in in like <laughs> a truck or something, and he was just hiding under the rafters or something. I, who knows? But uh, they did a good job keeping that one secret. So that was that's why it was such a big deal yeah because I, I actually don't even think michael cole the announcer or pat mcafee knew he was going to be there they didn't yeah they said afterwards they didn't well they at the very <laughs> apparently they don't tell pat anything because they just want him to react naturally because that's what's most entertaining so he definitely didn't know no the best part about the whole thing was uh obviously the pop from the crowd was cool uh but when so like michael cole he usually has <laughs> terrible he has terrible announcing whenever it comes to like a return. And it's probably hard to do that when you know they're coming. It's hard to have a natural reaction. But like you said, in this case, he didn't know. He went nuts. And he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, Cena's here, Cena's here, Cena's here. And then you hear McAfee, he's like, where? Because, <laughs> like, you know, he can't, can't see, see Cena. He's like, where? It was like That's the amazing. classic Bobby Heenan, dude. It was so funny. Um, McAfee is just an absolute beauty at that. And, uh, yeah, John Cena, it was cool to see him get his pop, man. I still have my chain gang jersey from when I was younger, number 54. <laughs> I could uh, see I could see little Timmy out there with the with the chains on and the hat and then oh, the wristbands. Dude. and the. I had the big, like, Cuban link chain with the master lock on it like he used to wear. <laughs> dude, like, he, you the, it, it was cool to see. I did, I did, I did, yeah, yeah. And I wrote my name on it, on the nameplate. I'm the champ. But uh, it was cool to see that, dude, because, like, he's been, you know, you know, People kind of got sick of him uh, whenever he would come out. Like we mentioned with his music, bah, bah, nah, nah, they'd say, John Cena sucks, John Cena sucks. So, like, it's cool to see people, like, realize that, oh, shit, now an actual superstar is back because we've been watching these J-Bruns for the last three years. Yeah, everyone complained back. about him, and then, like, stuff got really boring. It's like, man, I wish I missed John Cena. I, I saw yeah. this thing that was that was trending on Twitter. Um <laughs> People, they're like, everyone's kind of come around, now they love Cena again, but that John Cena sucks, chant is so much fun. Somebody proposed that everyone just yells, John Cena's song, John Cena's song, which I, I kind of <laughs> like that. They keep doing the same thing. It's kind of like, you could almost do it like Kurt Angle, though, like a, a term of endearment or yeah. like appreciation <laughs> respect, because they still chant, you suck at him. And I'm pretty sure it was Edge that started that. Like, Edge started doing the, you suck, you mm -hmm. suck to... Kurt Angle and it, it stuck for the last like 15 years in, in WWF or like whenever he's around or WWE I should say but um yeah it's great to see Cena back I haven't watched too much of you know WWE because like it, I just it was hard to get into it with the pandemic and no crowd there and stuff so it'll be interesting to see what he does and I imagine he's going to come back and put Reigns over um because they had that infamous promo a couple years back where Cena was kind of just like you know just carving him on the mic basically like you know he was like, you know, he, he was telling, he said something to Reigns and Reigns was trying to give a promo and he was trying to think of his line and he was kind of stumbling a bit and Cena's like, hey, it's called a promo. If you want to be the big dog, you got to do it like live on TV and shit like he was. So I, I think it'll be, you know, where Cena's kind of passing the torch to Reigns and Reigns is really 
You know, Reigns with Heyman, is, he's been great. He's, he's been, been great. He's been the best part. He's just a natural heel, too, because he's so intimidating looking. Dude's absolutely huge. Um, uh, someone made a comment, everyone's everyone's wife absolutely loves him, you know? So that, that oh. kind of adds to the whole heel persona as well. Sarah loves him. She thinks she's like he, she thinks he's like the best-looking wrestler ever. Maddie Obviously, hates she's wrestling never... and thinks it's so dumb, but every single time I'm watching a WWE pay-per-view, she'll just, she'll just kind of yell from the other room, is, is Roman Reigns on yet? You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, I respect it. He's a good-looking cat, but... Uh... I always tell Sarah, I'm like, obviously you've never laid eyes on the nature boy. Yeah, she's never laid eyes on the nature boy, Ric Flair. (laughs) Who was just let go today by the WWE. Yeah, he's going to AEW, I bet. I wouldn't be shocked. Well, everyone Um, else is too. Why not? Yeah, it's a good segue, dude. It's a good segue. I want to talk about because Darby Allen on Dynamite last week on Wednesday night was basically saying something along the lines of like, you know, if you're the quote best in the world, you come uh, prove it in AEW, and that's CM Punk's you know moniker there that he's the best in the world. So it's been rumored uh, that you know Punk's gonna return or gonna return to wrestling, but show they're, up in AEW for the first time. It's, I think it's called Rampage in Chicago. Yeah. So my uh, so my neighbor's it. brother uh, actually uh, shout out to Jeff. He just got a job with AEW. Nice. Um, yeah, and I was texting him today. I told you a couple weeks ago I met uh, Doc Sampson at a party. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I met him through Jeff, and uh, you know he's a great guy. Doc Sampson's awesome. I just was picking his brain for hours. He's the guy that actually saved Jerry the King Lawler live on Monday Night Raw after he had a heart attack. So it was pretty cool talking to him about that. Um, but yeah, he said they sold out the United Center in Chicago in five minutes. Um, so pretty crazy because yeah, that's, that's where All Out was, right? Or All yeah. In, whatever the hell it was. The first uh, the first pay per view they had. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever b- b- before Dynamite even launched, that so. was, yeah, it was before AEW even existed. They it yeah. was just the Young Bucks and and Kenny and Cody Rhodes put that on. It was kind of like somebody challenged them and said, "There's no way that anyone outside of WWE could sell out a ten thousand seat arena." So they put on their own kind of independent show there. It was like the biggest independent ever, and that's kind of what led to the whole. Um, I think TNT took notice at that point, and that's what kind of led to AEW starting. Yeah, because like it, it, it's truly an independent uh, with a lot of their guys, but they have star power too. Because they they had Jericho, um, and now they have a lot of ex WWE guys that have been seen by a lot of fans. But like, I mean, to that point, like you said, with you know TNT seeing it, they had Jericho, which gave them a lot of mm-hmm. um, you know it, it gave them credibility. I should say like that this isn't just some outlaw mud it, yeah. show type thing. You know what I mean? So um, it was cool to see that. You know, I'm I'm hoping for their success. I, I it's. I'm actually going to their show next week in Pittsburgh. Are you going Wednesday or Friday? Uh, I'm not sure. My neighbor's, uh, like I said, my neighbor's brother works there. So I'm hoping it's Friday because I got tickets for next Friday. It's because um, Wednesday is the the Dynamite show, and next Friday in Pittsburgh is it's a brand new show. Um, that I is think it's the first one. Is it the first of the it's new? It's the ones? first one. Yeah, it's it's yeah, going to yeah. kind of be AEW's version of SmackDown. So I'm assuming it's going to be a big one just because it's the the first live one they're doing. Um, yeah. But oh, I'm, I'm hoping it's next because I already took the day off. And we could uh, we could start brothering out real early if you want. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember which day it is. But either way, it's going to be cool because I haven't watched too much AEW, but it'll be cool to see live. And I'm I'm um, just excited to see a live wrestling show again. Um, yeah. For people who don't like, just kind of like roll their eyes at wrestling. Here's why I like it. Um, you know. There's obviously to me, there's nothing better than going to a hockey game, specifically a Penguins game, a playoff Penguins right. game. But if you go and you spend all that money, 
on the ticket, you go to dinner beforehand, you spend money on drinks and food there, and then they lose, you feel horrible leaving. You wasted all this money, you know, it's just an awful feeling. With wrestling, it really doesn't matter. Your favorite guy could lose, and they could, you know, <laughs> the storyline could be that they're, they're going to be off TV for a while, and someone throws them through eight tables, and they're dead. You know, but it doesn't matter, because it's just the results really don't matter in the long run. You just go there to yell and drink and have a good time, and that's right. why it's, I'm so excited to go to see a live show again. It's been so long now at this point. It's been like two and a half years since I, I've been to an event like that, and I can't wait. Yeah, and I, I've never been to another wrestling event that wasn't WWE or WWF. Mm-hmm. Outside of, I saw this next guy I want to talk about that's potentially going to AEW, but uh, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. I saw him wrestle in a gym somewhere. I can't remember where it was, <laughs> but it was before he was like you know a big timer, and I was younger. I was probably like maybe 15 or 16 and uh, me and my uh, cousin Tyler went, and his brother. It was a good time, but, um, you know, what, what do you think of that, dude? Because, like, Daniel Bryan, obviously his real name is Bryan Danielson. Um, it was because WWE can't let anybody use their real name. They have to change it to some stupid-ass name. Or most guys in WWE So they can make money off of them name. without them using their own name. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Most, mo- they, it, most guys in WWE now, they, they took a page out of Superbad's book, and they give everybody <laughs> one name. Like, it makes no <laughs> sense. Like <laughs> I don't know if you've ever listened to it. Some of my favorite guys in WWE are The New Day. Uh, uh, oh, Big, dude. Big E absolutely kills me. Dude just oozes charisma. And he always does these super long introductions to his podcast where he talks about how his... His name was originally Biggie Langston. Yeah, and, yeah. And he just talks about how his his family name was ripped from him. It's not like his actual last name, you know. I don't think, <laughs> it, but like he just and he always goes on these like long diatribes about how in this one day I came in, my name was gone. It kills me every time. Dude, you got to listen to my most uh, recent episode, the twenty six with Seth Rohrball. I my whole intro. I was saying how I wasn't going to have a podcast for a couple of weeks because I was going to be on vacation. And I was like, don't you dare be sour. And I did like a whole New Day promo. It was, it was pretty funny. But, uh, dude, I love the New Day. Um, they're special. And I, I feel like people kind of take them for granted. Whenever they retire, there's, they're going to be the ones that people remember 10, 15 years afterwards. Like, wow, they were absolutely incredible. They've been wildly entertaining for so long now. They're just just awesome. Yeah, I love them, dude. They're maybe not like the best wrestlers, but I I liked Big E ever since he was in. Um, he was like in. Well, he was with Dolph Ziggler and AJ Lee when they were together, and Ziggler yeah, he was, was like their a top guy. When first came out, yeah. Yeah. So and then Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston's awesome. I love Kofi. He's been around for a long time. Uh, but yeah, what do you think, dude? Do you think Daniel Bryan's going to show up in AEW? I think that's pretty crazy, knowing like his history with WWE and like uh, Brie Bella and. Um, you know, his be, wife that, that works for WWE deal. and stuff. That'd be a huge deal if he does. Yeah, I mean, I can see it happening. Um, I personally don't like CM Punk. I think he's kind of a douche. I think really? he's boring in the ring. Oh, I can't stand him. Um, I, I understand that he's an unbelievable promo, but just I don't like the. Uh, and then Panucci's going to be mad about this, but I just don't like the. Uh, <laughs> you know, our captain for the Muffin Farmers, the wrestlers who just like they look like they're actual high school gym wrestlers. Yeah, and they he only do have holds the... and like stuff like that. I like. I want it to be as absurd as possible. Shawn Michaels is my favorite, you know, <laughs> of all time. The guys who oversell things and do these ridiculous athletic moves that you never do in an actual fight. I'm just not oh, entertained yeah. by the guys who are doing like actual wrestling, you know, and they're doing yeah. holds. And, and like, Shawn Michaels to... is the best. He's the best wor- worker of all time. I think anybody in wrestling would tell you that. I I like Punk. Um, the the reason I think he'll be good in AEW if he actually goes. Same with Daniel Bryan is 
they both love. Well, I don't know about Punk, but I know Daniel Bryan. He loves the wrestling business. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think WWE took the love of wrestling away from CM Punk. That's why he's been away for so long. He just couldn't stand the business part of it. But it'll be good to see him and both these guys get work with Kenny Omega, Jungle Boy. You know, even working with Cody Rhodes again potentially. They they mm-hmm. may have worked together in WWE, but a different you know main eventer type Cody Rhodes. And a lot of the guys in AEW, like you're getting a, a chance to work with other people. Um, and if they're just around for a year or two, those the younger guys they have can learn so much from them. That's a huge deal, you know, just to learn from people oh, who've yeah. been around for so long. It's also yeah. AEW's the promo show. They're they don't script the promos for people who are good at it. You know, so they let them, they give them live mic time and let them kind of learn and do their own thing. So that's going to help people out. And then, like, you could also, I mean, if you're looking to fill TV time, just give a mic to CM Punk and let him say whatever he wants to say. No, I, I said I don't like it that much, but, like, I, I, he's also one of the best promos of all time. So, like, it, it would be exciting to see what he would do and say without, you know, the kind of scripted WWE read these lines off that 27 writers fed to you exactly, you know? That, that, yeah. that, could be, that could be an absolute blast to watch. Yeah, agreed 100%. And I think if I'm – so if if Punk debuts, he's going to be a baby face. That's kind of how everybody does when they mm-hmm. debut. They're, they're, he's going to be over as hell. But it, it's almost like, you know, Punk should come in, in my opinion, and come in and just like try – like as his, his character, just start burying everybody. Just be like – you know, I'm I'm better than everybody. Like this is the you know. Blah, See blah, blah. how get, fast he could turn heel would be. Impressive. Yeah, get that heat, get that yeah. massive heat with that <laughs> audience, and then. I think it'll be awesome, dude. I'm excited to see if it happens, and I think it's going to happen in Chicago, like we talked about with that United Center show. It sold out. Punk's from Chicago. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all if he comes back, and I think it's a bad look for WWE. You know, although I think they're trying to sell. I'm pretty sure WWE's trying to sell the company. Um, that's why they're getting rid of all, like, all their. They had a conference call, like an earnings release call the other day, where Vince McMahon was basically saying, like, "Yeah, we don't see AEW's competition, but you know, maybe we can give them some more guys because they're trying to cut like all their talent they can and cut their costs and try to increase their there, profit." There's definitely something brewing with that because, like, yeah, you know, AEW has, you know, they've kind of proven at this point. Like, some people were kind of writing them off at first, but now at this point, they survived the pandemic, which was a concern. Um, you know, they're going back in front of live crowds now. They keep signing more and more people. They seem to have an endless supply of money. Now, that might come back to bite them in the ass at some point. We'll see. But I think you're right. There's There has to be something else going on behind the scenes that um, they're just trying to get their finances in order because they're cutting some big names. Uh, Bray Wyatt just got cut this week, you know? And for a while, like, Ric Flair's been with the company forever. Even if he's not actively working, I'm pretty sure they, they pay him a paycheck just because he's Ric Flair, as they should, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's on um, that Legends contract, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it's yeah, be it's... interesting. Yeah, I'm excited. It's it's a good time. The, the professional wrestling business is hot right now, um, especially if, you know, it gives a lot of credibility to AEW of Punk and Daniel Bryan, you know, to... Daniel Bryan be one of the best workers in the league, or in the league, Jesus Christ, in the uh, business. <laughs> and, um, you know, CM Punk being, you know, a polarizing guy. A lot of people love him. Like you said, you, you don't particularly care for him. But Oh, no, no, no. Let me rephrase. I'd love to hate him. I, I like him so much. Yeah. I don't like him as a face. When he's Whenever he's a heel and he's a bad guy, I find myself, like, getting angry and wanting to throw something at the TV, which is exactly what you want. So he's incredible, you know? <laughs> I just... I, I, I don't like him whenever he's the fan favorite face, but like you said, I, the best case scenario would have him come into a huge pop and immediately start bearing everyone. That's that's where I really think he, he shines. 
Yeah, I, I can't wait to see it. So hopefully uh, we'll get something next week when we get to AEW. Uh, either it's Wednesday or Friday. I'll let you know what day it is I'm going. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And uh, I guess before I let you go, Ray, I want to mention – I want to ask you, are you a um, – I know you're a big music guy, but are you a Kanye West fan? So I loved his first couple albums. Um, college gra- – or was it College Dropout and then uh, – yeah. Graduation. graduation and stuff and then he lost his mind and started auto-tuning everything so overall no but i i mean some of his early stuff just like the beats he made were absolutely incredible why what do you have is there some news so, going on with him yeah so i just want <laughs> i wanted to point something out that i thought was pretty funny um well speaking of your point though he has i think he has one of the best uh discographies for a, a rap artist or hip-hop artist of all time i mean you look at like he has he has some classic albums. Late Registration is a great album. Graduation, College Dropout, like you mentioned, um, some great albums. But yeah, to your point, he's kind of fell off the last couple of years and just kind of gone off the deep end. I think he still makes pretty good music, but just as a guy, he's a little bit off. Um, but I saw this the other day. So you know, Sarah, my wife was watching um, E News. She watches it all the time, or Daily Pop, or whatever it is. <laughs> and so Kanye West, he has a new album coming out called I think it's called Donda. Um, but he's living in the Atlanta Falcons stadium to finish this album. He's rented a little room in the stadium. Okay. It looks like a goddamn dorm room that would cost you $4,500 a month in New York city. It's like a little closet basically. And he had a big listening party there for his new album and like a ton of people. There was mad people there, dude. And people streamed it online for $20 and listen to these prices of the food. Okay. That's the only reason I want to bring this up. At this listening party at the Atlanta Falcon Stadium, mind you, the Atlanta Falcon Stadium is the dumbest stadium on the planet. It has a, it has a Chick Fil A, in the stadium, and everybody knows that Chick Fil A is closed on Sundays. So when the Atlanta Falcons are playing Sunday in the NFL, Chick Fil A is closed. So why the hell would they have a Chick Fil A at the stadium? But I digress from that. Listen Wait, to some of these. Wait a second. Is that is that Chick Fil A open on Sundays? No, it's closed. They have a Chick Fil A oh, in the stadium, the but it's closed during all the games. I was gonna say if that's open during the game. That's like that's unbelievable. People might go to the games just to get Chick Fil A on Sundays. If it's, yeah, it's like all right, let me get a ticket open, here. But... I can get my spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> I guess they make money on the concerts, or if they play Monday night or Thursday right. night or whatever. But some of these prices, dude. So these people went to this this listening party, right? All beef kosher hot dog, forty bucks. Cookies Jesus. and brownies, forty-five bucks. Kettle corn, thirty-five bucks. A See, basket of chicken tenders, fifty bucks. A snack basket. I don't even know what's in the snack basket. Sixty-five bucks. Who the hell would pay forty bucks for a goddamn hot dog? That's what I want to know. But apparently, a lot of people did because he made a shit ton of money off of it, and he got. Oh a, yeah, it was almost you, a sellout. You, you, did you ever much. see his merch that looks like it was like somebody went onto MS yeah. Paint and printed something on the front of a T-shirt and it's one hundred and ninety dollars? Yeah. See, yep. wait, you said he's been living in, in the stadium while he's recording this album? Is that what you said? He's living there to, like, finish the album. He has, like, 12 See, songs. He's, and he's-, he's the exact opposite of my favorite rapper of all time, Aesop Rock, who, when he recorded what's my possibly my favorite rap album of all time, The Impossible Kid, he was living in, like, a barn in the woods. And he went out there in the nature and wrote, like, all these really dark, creepy songs. And then there's, then there's the opposite kind of rap, which is just the pure celebrity overproduced Kanye West rap where he's living in an in a NFL stadium. That, that really shows you the full end of the spectrum right there. It's yeah, ridiculous. it's like complete polar opposites. That's pretty funny. But yeah. I just wanted to point that out, dude, on the podcast because I just thought that was incredible. Whenever I heard that on TV, I'm like, 
A, why is he living in an NFL stadium? Like, what is that doing for your inspiration? <laughs> and B, why would anybody pay to go to a listening party? And C, why would you pay like, you know, $50 for a basket of shitty chicken tenders? They better have been damn good chicken tenders for 50 bucks, but I can imagine they're just like the stadium, you know, concession shit that you get at the Penguins game or whatever. The that stuff are overpriced he's been doing there. has gotten so absurd that I'm almost hoping that like 10 years from now, he's putting together like an Andy Kaufman esque comedic performance, <laughs> like seeing how ridiculous he can get and still get people to pay for his stuff. That would be amazing if that's actually the case, but I don't know. <laughs> did you ever see the Andy Kaufman? I think it's Andy Kaufman that did like the program with Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, yeah. And, like, Oh, Dude, that's yeah. incredible. Go watch that. I think they're on he the David got, Letterman he show. He almost got killed a couple times because he, yeah. he he would commit to these ridiculous characters and his persona so much that, you know, <laughs> yeah, he, I don't know how we ended up talking about Andy Kaufman, but that's Ramblin' Bruce, buddy. Um, oh, yeah. That's what <laughs> if we you've do. never heard of him, look into that guy's life. Incredibly interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. And like the whole story with Jerry the King Lawler is pretty funny. They have the feud. They're on the David Letterman show and he's wearing a neck brace and uh, Jerry the King Lawler slaps the shit out of him. It's pretty cool. It looks like a shoot, but it's a, it's a work. Uh, it's all part of the storyline, but it's pretty cool. Like back in the '80s, when wrestling storylines were at least somewhat believable. Obviously, you're not a you're not a mark and think everything's real and you know everything. But like, you know, it, it was like at least had, believable. They had better commitment back then too. There was there was a story. I can't remember who exactly it was. Oh man, I wish I could remember it. Um, th- this guy was getting arrested and refused to to stop doing his fake accent and give them his real name because he was so committed to his character. Um, yeah, kayfabe, baby. <laughs> <laughs> still lives. It still lives. It certainly does, dude. Uh, but, hey, man, I appreciate the hell out of you coming on. Everybody always likes whenever you come on. It's always a blast. I really enjoy it. The conversation's great. So, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Thank you, Tim, and uh, let's go Muffin Farmers. Before we go, I just want to mention, some of you may know, some of you may not, uh, but if you've been listening, you probably do, uh, that my wife and I are expecting a baby boy, our second child, in early September, so we're really excited and looking forward to that. And you know, with that coming up and it being the NHL offseason and things are a little slow on the sports front with the NBA done and the NFL done and things like that, I'm going to go ahead and take a couple weeks off of the podcast. Um, definitely some exciting things coming in the future, and we'll be back when the NHL season comes back. Or maybe I'll drop a, a couple surprise bonus brews again here, but going to take a little bit of time to get the house ready. So uh, appreciate your understanding, and uh, keep listening to the other episodes. Um, keep spreading the word. Appreciate the hell out of everybody that's doing that and everybody that continues to listen week after week. Can't thank you enough for that. Um, so on that note, may you guys have a hell of a week. And remember... If I don't see you around here, I'll see you around here.